Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sports. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, Zach Fisher is here. Back on the program once again. Plenty to discuss when Fish joins us coming up in a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We'll preview the AFC and the NFC Championship Games. Also uh, going to talk a uh, couple NFL headlines and uh, some coaching changes as well when uh, Coach Bo stops by to join us. Plus, we got Tom Fullery coming up at the end of the show. We'll have our Big 12 breakdown here in just a bit as well. And uh, Thomas Bridges joins me fresh uh, off the week off. Tom, uh, always a pleasure to uh, have you with us, my friend. And uh, I got to say, uh, you know, there's it's a big week, obviously. You know, we're excited about these conference championship games, and we'll you know go over those games in depth and everything. And you know, obviously, I'm happy about the Chiefs being there and and, and all of that. But first and foremost. How about them Cowboys? Oh, wasn't that just wasn't that just a beautiful sight? I mean, not only the fact that they lost and found a way to Cowboy, but that final play, seeing Zeke play center and get trucked like that, that was probably the last game of Zeke's career in Dallas, too. I mean, what what a what what a, a finish to the season for Dallas. I, I loved it all, Tom. You think it was his last play? Potentially speaking, yeah. I mean, it definitely could have been. I mean, it definitely could be his last play. Um, obviously, and you know, I say that because Tony Pollard has been such a really kind of a a great. Um, you know, substitute, obviously. Right. Um, but, yeah, it really could be. Uh, I mean, that that's a kind of a good point that I don't think maybe a whole lot of people understand or take into consideration. But, uh, you know, Tony Paul, and, and we've, we've seen people talk about Zeke, and we've seen them talk about Tony Pollard, um, you know, and if you're not a Cowboys fan, uh, a lot of people are kind of taking to the notion that, uh, hey, listen, um, Zeke could be done, but at the same time, it's like, well, it's, uh, you know, for, for Tony Pollard, he's on the up and up, right? Right. I mean. He'll be a free agent too, yeah. Or, I mean, exactly. You're exactly right. Like, uh, he, he gives me Darren McFadden vibes. I mean, he's better than what Darren McFadden was in the league. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. But Dallas still can't seem to make the Super Bowl. Dallas hasn't made the Super Bowl, Jones, since you were alive. Yeah, never in my lifetime. Um, and everybody's pointing blame. Baby, you're Everybody's pointing blame at Dak, and I understand Dak didn't play well. And to me, it, it's funny how things spin real quick. The week prior against the Bucks, everybody's like, wow, Dak is amazing. Pro. Best pro. game in his career. And then this game against San Francisco, I'm hearing all these Cowboy fans saying, we're done with Dak, time to move on. 
I understand the frustrations, and Dak didn't play good, but who are you going to find better than Dak Prescott tomorrow? I mean, I think you there's some obvious work that needs to be done. I mean, the offensive line's got some holes there. Um, you need some more weapons in that in that receiving core. I think Dak can win you a Super Bowl, but I mean, you you got bigger issues, some bigger fish to fry than, than Dak, as far as I'm concerned. No, I agree. Uh, you know, the Dak thing was, I mean, he did pretty much play night and day, but you know, if you look at that game, like 49 or not 49ers, but Tampa Bay really wasn't on their shit. Um, and in the 49ers Dallas game, really neither team was very good. Yeah. Like it was, it was kind of poor quality football. Um, considering all things, I'm like, ah, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't top tier quality watching that game. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was obvious for everybody else that wasn't actually a fan. Like, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is not, this is not good by either team here. You know, and, and it worked, I guess it, I guess you could say it worked out for both of them by, you know, saying that, well, this is not who we are as a team. I, I don't know. You can make up a bunch of excuses, I guess. Right. Oh, man. But uh, I will say, Tom, I bet you're in the same boat. Didn't you love the meltdown that we saw the last few days from the Cowboy fans? I mean, I saw the video of the guy running over his TV and just the outrage of people freaking out at Dak and everything like that. I mean, you know, you you and I, we love to hate on the Cowboys. It, it's not even necessarily for me, Tom, you know, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys themselves. It's their fans who I cannot stand. I do not feel bad at, for them at all. No, of course not. We've never felt bad for the fans, really. Yeah. I'm like well, I know well, you we, don't like Jerry Jones, that you can't stand him, but to me, I could care less about Jerry Jones. For me, it's I, I like I like seeing their fans miserable. That's what I love most about hating on the Cowboys. What do you hate most about the Cowboys? Let's put it that way. Uh yeah, it's definitely Jerry Jones. Okay. I mean, I've never been a big Jerry Jones fan, and just in general, I like Hated how they, like, yeah, you know, like, obviously I want to see them lose. Um, but I do I do appreciate Dak Prescott, and I know that C.D. Lamb is, is uh, you know, a, a, a hell of a wide receiver, and he, he could be, to be honest with you, even better than he is right now. Um, and I think he'll get to that level. And I think that can get him to that level as well. But uh, at the same time, it's like, man, um, you know, is Mike McCarthy the guy for the job? I, I think I think in 20 years we'll look back and be like, yeah, you know what? Was it Mike McCarthy or was it Jerry Jones? Um, because I, I don't think Jerry Jones is not to blame, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, I mean, Jerry, Jerry Jones doesn't take enough blame, in my opinion. 
I think that's very fair to say. I think it is. Uh, but what a way to begin the show, our victory lap, uh, taunting the Cowboys. One of my favorite traditions in all sports, the Cowboys not getting past the uh, NFC Divisional round. Uh, that was great to see. But nonetheless, Tom, championship week in the NFL, and we are gifted just two incredible games here between the 49ers and the Eagles and the Chiefs and the Bengals. What do you think is going to be the better matchup? I think they're both pretty even games, but I think I'm more excited about seeing Burrow and Mahomes, Bengals, Chiefs, part two. I think that I think both are going to be good games, but I would argue that's going to be the more exciting game. What game are you more intrigued with, Tom? I mean, it's got to be the rematch, right? Uh, you know, and you could, you could, I guess you could argue the rematch for, um, you could argue the rematch for Hurts, Purdy, but that didn't, that didn't sound the same, does it? I mean, that doesn't sound near as cool as uh, – They had a Burrow. pretty good college matchup head-to-head, though, uh, you know, with uh, Jalen and OU beating Iowa State 42-41 and a game that went down to the wire. But I mean, three years ago, like – I mean, that is a cool storyline, but is, is it is, – oh, 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 is it as cool – is that is it as cool as uh, Mahomes and Burrow? I think not. I wouldn't say so. But um, I think both games will be great for different reasons. Um, I'm glad. I'm really glad that it is not, um, you know, uh, Bills, Kansas City in Atlanta. There's something, there's something about uh, a championship game played in the home stadium that that is not the same if it was neutral site. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't feel like it would be the same feeling if we had this game played in Atlanta. Oh, of course. Yeah, I agree. I'm so glad this is not at a neutral site. Uh, and but, You know, which I think the Bills deserve a shot. I don't think they'll eventually get one. Yeah. I mean, you look at it, the Bills got to have a home game against Cincinnati in the snow and just look so awful. I mean, if it weren't for the Dallas Cowboys and Dak and Jerry and all that, every would have been everybody would have been shitting on the Bills this week. I mean, the Bills uh, Yeah, they, they got the the nicety. They are lucky that they played before the Cowboys. Let's put it that way. Because um, everybody all of a sudden forgot about the Bills and their loss. Um, but, I mean, I, I look at that. Bengals, Chiefs, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. And, and usually in these matchups, Tom, we can point to, well, this guy's been better in the postseason. This guy's got the clutch gene, whatever. Um both these guys got ice in their veins here. I mean, we know that they're both going to leave it out on the football field and give it 110%. I mean, I, I, I'm not 
I'm not looking at that either one of these guys are going to choke. I think they're going to throw it out both on the line. Both these two quarterbacks are going to play at extremely high level here on Sunday. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a matchup. I mean, and you know, you know that Andy Reid and crew are going to be remember last year. Like, you, if you remember last year, what a hell of a game. I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it. Like, you want to talk about, you know, if you didn't think Tampa Bay Rams uh, was a hell of a game, the game you got after that was even better. Um, and you could even say Rams, Tampa Bay, and Chiefs, Bills was doubly as good as the Super Bowl, which the Super Bowl wasn't too bad of a game overall. Um, so I, I think we'll get, I think we'll get a little bit more of that this year. Um, especially in Kansas City. Kansas City has something to prove. They have won a Super Bowl recently, but after last year, after that, I wouldn't even call it a shit show, but I think Kansas City felt that they should have should have beat the Bills and in what was really just an insane game. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're you're right about that. Um you know, the the other thing that I, I wonder when I see this game is defensively, I think that's kind of we, – we talk about the quarterback so much, Tom. You know, who's going to flinch and make the mistake first? Can can the Chiefs or the, the Bills on defense, can they come up with a stop, come up with a turnover, do something they're not supposed to do? And if if I'm looking for one thing in particular, a guy that that has to have a big game, it's got to be Chris Jones. Sack Nation himself. Um, Chris, we, we know the Bengals have a bad O-line, and the mismatch could be that the Chiefs O-line, the Chiefs D-line, I think is far superior than the Bengals O-line, the Bengals D-line. Chris Jones and company did not get a single sack on Joe Burrow in last year's AFC Championship game. They're going to have to get pressure. Chris Jones is going to have to have a big day for the Chiefs to, to win this game. So, I guess to uh, to kind of figure it out, um, Chris Jones and crew have still been without – he has still been without a sack – no, I, I said it, their their last matchup, they didn't have a sack against the Bengals. I mean, but Chris Jones this this postseason is still without a sack. Is that correct? I thought he had a sack against the Jags. He yeah, he might have. He might have. I know. I know. At the beginning, though, it was kind of said that he had not recorded a sack in the offseason or in the postseason. And so that was kind of one of his goals. So he might have got one against the Jags. Um, but, Kyle, you want to talk about being beneficial. Uh, if he can go ahead and get one uh, uh, against these Bengals, against this elusive uh, – I wouldn't even call Joe Burrow necessarily elusive. He didn't come off as elusive necessarily. Okay, he, you're right. Uh, Chris Jones did not get a sack against the Jags, but Frank Clark did. Okay, okay. So, I mean, Chris Jones is due for one. Like, he's, you know, he's he's going to have one eventually. Um, and, you know, I think this, this defense, you know, 
uh, Spags is, you know, that if he can get one um, against this Joe Burrow-led team uh, in Kansas City, you know, I, I think they have to keep the momentum. I think they have to keep it rolling. And I do think Chris Jones can get a sack. But, uh, I mean, man, this, this Bengals team is – this Bengals team, Jones, tell me if I'm wrong, and I might be. They remind me a lot of the grit and grind Grizzlies. Zach Randolph, Marcus All, Mark Conley. I think you've said that before, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't been wrong. Uh, you know, <laughs> the Grizzlies haven't made the the finals necessarily, like the Chiefs have made the Super Bowl. But at the same time, I mean, this this Bengals team is no slouch. Yeah. Yeah, there's something else. None, but neither one of these teams play scared. Neither one are afraid. They're going to leave out in the line. It's uh, going to be interesting. That that Mahomes injury, though, um, we saw him play through it on Sunday, or on Saturday rather. But hearing from experts, they say that this injury doesn't get better necessarily. That it gets worse as time goes on. That Mahomes is likely to feel worse this upcoming Sunday than he did at the time of the injury. Um, but we saw at the time, Tom, he didn't even want to be pulled out of the game. He was mad that Andy pulled him out and evaluated him there. So um, will it be a factor or not? I don't know. Remains to be seen. But uh, it, it's certainly going to be something to follow how much that, that, uh, that ankle affects him or not. I mean, I think he did pretty well. Yeah, um, I so. And I, I guess I wouldn't say interviews, but in in film today, he seemed like he was. Uh, he seemed like he didn't do too bad, right? Right. Like he, like he was. I wouldn't say okay, but obviously it's kind of biased. I mean, it was on de- You could tell it was definitely on his mind, but uh, I mean. You know, if you're Kansas City, you're probably feeling pretty good, all things considered. Like, the game's not in Atlanta. You're playing the Bengals, who are you're pretty familiar with. They have beaten you recently. Um, and then, like you said, all things considered, uh, worst-case scenario is Chad Henney. Uh, he did real – Chad Henney did really well. And I, I don't think anybody was talking about Chad Henney enough to be honest. <clears throat> I mean, Chad putting Chad Henney didn't like necessarily put on a clinic by any means, but Chad Henney also did very well with what he was given. Right. Um, is he going to win the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship? Ah, uh, probably not, and that's probably why we're going to see Patrick Mahomes play. But uh, I mean, you really can't even hate, right? One more question, then I'll move on to the uh, the next game here, Tom. I, I got an idea. So I'm probably going to go to a Chiefs bar to go watch this game on uh, on Sunday here in Kansas City or here in Dallas. Um, I'm wondering, should I be like that one girl that was at the Chiefs game the other day and bring a baked potato and, and eat, a, eat a baked potato for good luck? Depends on how fresh it was. Hers didn't look very fresh, to be honest. Right. I mean, yeah. it looked 
It looked like it was in her pocket for <laughs> a wash session, but it did def I mean, it wouldn't have been a baked potato that I would have eaten. Yeah. I uh, I love a good baked potato, though. I mean, you think it was good on her end? I would doubt it. It didn't look like there was anything on it. You know, like a good baked potato, you got to have sour cream, cheese, bacon. I mean, you got to have some yeah. chives on it. You got to load that up. Yeah. What? I said hers just looked like it was skin. Like the yeah. Skin of <laughs> it didn't even look baked. Exactly. So I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Gosh. I don't know how to feel about that. Like, it didn't look like it was very good. Right. She looked like she was getting the potato skins out of the Albertsons. <laughs> yeah. Like she, she didn't have a full baked potato by any means. <laughs> no. She did not. I love that she caught that Jags fan taking a photo of her eating the baked potato. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it is legendary. Yeah. She definitely had like close seats by any means, but she still got the job done. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, the other game, the Eagles and the 49ers. Um, you know, I think everybody's kind of waiting for the Brock Purdy letdown game. And if it doesn't happen, it's going to be hard to beat this 49ers team. I think everybody's kind of just waiting, okay, whenever he plays bad, whenever he plays like a rookie, then that's when their season will end. Well, the Eagles have been so good. The, the answer to this question I think I know the answer to, but ultimately we'll just have to wait and see. Tom, I, I think that you could have both of these teams play a perfect game here. And I think the Eagles would probably win if they both were to play a perfect game. But I don't say that with confidence. I think they're both pretty close, evenly matched. The one difference being I would take Jalen over Brock um, right now. But that's also kind of just saying that, hey, I, I I think he's more likely to have the letdown game than Jalen is. I mean, yeah, just because he's, you know, he hasn't lost yet. Right. And also the AFC Championship. And, you know, I think, you know, I obviously have a lot to say about Brock. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know how I feel about Brock Purdy. You love Brock Purdy. I, I know you love him more than I hate him. Um, but he's still a good quarterback. But are you I enjoying Brock Uary? I'm not. Oh, <laughs> uh, it, it's taken Brocktober to a whole nother level. I mean, it's it's gotten ridiculous to be honest. So, Big cock rock. I mean, it's gotten it's gotten ridiculous. Is this more painful than his time in Ames? Uh, no, because the Rams haven't really done anything good. If it was Brock Purdy beating your team, how pissed would you be right now? Uh, I wouldn't be happy. <laughs> if, this, if this game was about Rams and 49ers, 
I would be less than enthused. But it's not, so all good, you know. Um, I'm actually kind of happy for him, even though Rams, it was like Rams had their Rams had their year. Yeah. So not the end of the world by any means. And uh, it'll get better, but for Brock Purdy, this might be this might be the end. I wouldn't say the end of the road. He got the very. He's got a. Oh, he's got Matt Flynn vibes for me. He's very Matt Flynn. Uh, but you know, I I I think he's one of those pieces that that could be traded, kind of like Jimmy G should have been traded. Right. But it never really worked out. That's how I see a Brock Purdy. Um, I think 49ers are dumb enough to stick with Trey Lance. But, uh, you know, you, you got to think Brock fam- Brock's family's got to be super freaking happy. Oh, yeah. And then, and Brock, to be honest, Brock hasn't really even shown kind of, um, I guess, pride. Right. I mean, he's he's very been very humble. Yeah, about it. I've I've kind of been impressed with, and kind of happy for him with. I'm like, all right, Brock. You know, if 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 this is how it's gonna be, then uh, hey, buddy, like you're killing it. Uh, and if the Rams already won the Super Bowl, then you know what? Because we'll we'll most, of, I feel like most of your hate. Of Brock comes from my comes from my admiration of him. Uh it's definitely a little bit of it. <laughs> I'll lie to you. Uh, I mean, I think a little bit of it though is uh, the OSU thing. If he had never beaten OSU, and then to be honest, really, if Iowa State would have never ended OSU's hopes back in the day. That Brock we, wasn't a part of, I, but sure. How do you be having this combo? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh gosh. Um what uh what who is gonna be the the uh the skill position player that's gonna have the biggest impact, you think? Is it McCaffrey? Is it AJ Brown? Is it Debo? Is it Boston Scott? Um Gotta be Debo, right? I see. I lean towards AJ Brown. I don't know who's going to be able to cover AJ Brown. A Jimmy Ward. I I like. I, I think AJ, as good as the Niners' defense is, I don't know anyone that's slow that that has the the size to go toe to toe with AJ Brown on that Niner defense. You know, and then and you, you, that's fair enough. I mean, look they, at what DK did to them a couple weeks ago. I mean, yeah, he beat Jimmy Ward several times. Um, yeah, off. That was one of the best games of D, DK's career, and he was playing injured. I mean, yeah, he did. He, he did get several. Uh, I mean, he won several times. So, um, you know, he he could. Um, I guess at the end of the day. 
when you look at it, you you think maybe more of uh, how is uh, how's Jalen feeling? Yeah, you know, um, that shoulder maybe, looked just fine last week. Right. I mean, I I, I do give the Eagles the advantage. Yeah. Just just a wee bit. And that's not saying that, you know, I mean, I'll pick them because they've been so good all year. But I'm not saying – I mean, the four – I'm also – I'm not rooting for Brock Purdy, but I'm also not 100% picking against him. Like, he's he's done what he needed to do to get respect, really, from the whole league. Yeah. Yeah, he's right. so good that you can't even disrespect him by kind of shunning him. Like I see a lot of people now just kind of writing him off, and he's been too good for this long to just write him off. Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll talk more about these uh, games when a uh, Bo joins us coming up later on in the football fix. Uh, also, when uh, Zach Fisher stops by as well, you won't want to miss out on that. Tom Fulry coming up later, but right now it is time for our Big 12 breakdown with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 conference. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you. It is the Big 12 breakdown, and... Tom, uh, very basketball heavy on the Big 12 breakdown this week. Uh, our, our hot takes where we start each week. H- here is my here's my hot take. And and for me, Tom, this is more like a sad take. Um, I, I'm just going to say it, put it out this way. And, and maybe it's I need a, a, a kick in the in the right direction or something, you know, uh, maybe I'm just I'm just down bad right now, but I'll, I'll just say this: this Kansas team, they're just not very good right now. I mean, they've lost three in a row. If you don't have Grady Dick or Jalen Wilson scoring, you got a problem. I mean, they got two guys, then everyone else is just kind of cheeks right now. DeWan Harris can't shoot for anything. Um, you know, Kevin McCuller is up and down. Um, Kansas got a lot of problems, and I understand you're coming off a national championship year. There's a lot of optimism and everything. Not saying they can't turn it around, but at this point in time, that is not a very good team. Uh, They got a lot of work to do. They still could put it together, but they can't defend worth anything. They can't rebound. They don't have size and athleticism. My hot take, and maybe I'm just an overreactionary sad fan here, but Tom – that's just not a very good team. That's my hot take this week. How about you? I mean, I think they're good enough. Obviously, they're going to make the tournament. But, um, you know, to go back-to-back, I think their back-to-back chances are all but done, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, that's... But you, you still hope. You know, like, think about this. I'm a Rams fan. I didn't think they would go back – well – hope they would go back to the Super Bowl, but if they don't, you know, then it's – it is still a big deal because it should be that good before, but college is obviously a little different than pros. But, you know, considering all things, 
this Kansas team could be a lot worse. Um, be very interesting to see what and how long NCAA stays up in terms of, uh, I don't know, not, I wouldn't say shutting them down by any means, but imposing restrictions upon them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's still in the, uh, in the works or not. I would assume maybe so, but, um, it's not even February yet. And we've, Jones, if we want to go back on the show for a long time, I don't feel like a lot of constructive criticism against the Big 12, whether it be KU, which has been the topic of conversation for Big 12 basketball and on this show for quite some time, and rightfully so. Um, it hasn't really picked up or got serious until February. Yeah. So I still do think KU – now, do they have a shot to just outright win the Big 12 and dominate maybe like last year or have the run that they did? Probably not. I, but, saw, I saw Ken Palm today, Tom, project a four-way tie for the Big 12 championship. That would be incredible. <laughs> One true champion, right? Yeah. I mean, that a four-way tie would be pretty incredible. And I'm not going to rule that out, though, because the Big 12 is so deep. I mean, there's – at I mean, the end of the day, there is one true champion, but there's not really one true okay. champion, let's be honest. So look at this. K-State, they're the highest-ranked Big 12 team right now, fifth in the country. They're 17-3, and 6-2 and two in league play. Just lost to Iowa State the other night. Iowa State – also KU at home. Yes. Iowa State – just beat, you know, K State. They're six and two in league play as well. Fifteen and four overall. Twelve. They also just lost to OSU. Yeah, Texas six and two in league play. Tenth in the country. Seventeen and three. TCU eleventh in the country. Five and three in league play. Sixteen and four overall. Baylor seventeenth in the country. Five and three in league play. Fifteen and five overall. KU ninth in the country. Five and three in league play. 16 and four overall. I, I I have all my grumblings and my moanings about Kansas right now. There's still only one game back in the standings. Uh, with that said, who is the best team in the conference right now? Oh, I mean, I mean, I, I, I guess right <laughs> There's now. There's not an obvious I'm, answer, is there? I mean, right, I guess right now you say, okay, well, it's K-State. But I'm still not even confident in that in that fact. Yeah, I mean, you. That, that Johnston, that's the thing. This Johnston kid is just something else. What the hell is he doing in Manhattan, Kansas? I mean, he must like he he must like the uh, Pepper Jacks. Pepper Jacks. <laughs> you mean varsity? No, I mean Pepper Jacks is the uh, the Philly cheesesteak Subway. I mean they have that in Lawrence. I, I yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> um, the Pepper Jacks is incredible though. Um, I mean, how about Jerome Tang though? First year coming in at K State, they were picked last in the league. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of talent when he walked in there, and they've turned into a top five team. 
What Jerome Tang has done has been one of the most impressive coaching jobs I've ever seen, Tom. I mean, yeah, that's uh what an upgrade from uh from old Bruce Weber. <laughs> Where's Bruce Weber right now? <laughs> we need to get Bruce on the show. I would I mean Bruce Weber kept K State. How far did they make it? Not too long ago, the Elite Eight. They got to the Elite Eight under Bruce, yeah. Uh, I mean, here recently, like in the last three years. It was, uh, let's see, they went to the Elite Eight 2018. I mean, we're, 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 wait a second, what's Bruce doing right now? Bruce is just unemployed at the moment. I mean, what better way to to make some to make some noise than to be unemployed. I still can't I mean, believe for, I mean, for Bruce, he's probably still getting paid by K State, probably I would assume. I think so. I mean, people forget Bruce Weber uh won a gold medal. I mean he was the head coach of the US U nineteen team uh in twenty nineteen. They won gold. Uh, went seven and zero. Oh. I mean, he's not a bad coach, but you know, and might beat KU every so often. But uh, you know, new coach is is uh, he's coming along. It seems so. I kinda, uh, I'm not gonna lie. Would you would you say would you say K State's the best team currently? I I, I I'm not putting money on any of that. Hmm. Currently, I'd say either them or Baylor, one of the two. Hey, well, you know, in KU, I think if that game that you were at, actually, I if was. that game in Lawrence, KU wins it. Maybe. We'll find out, I guess, here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, hey, when is that game? Uh, When do they come to Lawrence? Let's see here. Um, That game will be... Uh, it takes place February 18th. So, yeah, give it a couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. Yeah, like I said, I think, I think for, uh, KU and Lawrence, I, I get really, uh, low key though. I'm doing well. Low-key, I kind of miss Bruce Weber, to be honest. I miss the days when K-State wasn't a top-five team. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the same thing as, like, when I think about, you know, when I think about, oh, you having a trash year. And you're like, man, I love Brent Venables. Right? Maybe OSU has a chance, and then they go to Norman and absolutely shit the bed. So, uh <laughs> Things aren't always what they seem, but, uh, you know, if you don't hope, if you don't have hope, then you don't have anything. So, yeah. Uh, Big 12 SEC Challenge coming up on Saturday. Uh, I want to run through these list of games here real quick of uh, what's in store here. The marquee matchup is Texas in Tennessee. Rick Barnes taking on his former school. Both teams in the top 10. The game is in Knoxville. 
They even both have the same record, 17 and 3. They're both orange. They're both UT. Tom, that is a hell of a matchup coming up between these two teams. And I know we got Kansas and Kentucky. That'll be a big game. But this is this is the must-see game of the weekend. It's not Kansas-Kentucky. It's Tennessee-Texas. Is that in Austin? It's in Knoxville. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, I did see some Snapchats from some friends um, for OSU-Texas earlier this week. That Moody Center in Austin is kind of so far incredible, but, you know, you mentioned Tennessee, long, rich, you know, history, but then you also have to, uh, you also have to mention this Texas team that has gone through some, uh, I guess you could call it trials and tribulations. Yeah. And that, that might be saying that might be going too easy on them. I mean, both teams have won four of their last five games. Same record uh, at 17-3. and But Marcus Carr is playing so well. Nearly 18 points a game for UT, shooting close to 47% from the field. Um, That guy is incredible. And, I mean, when you watch him play, Tom, Marcus Carr, this guy just puts on a show every night. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's one right after the other, am I right? Yeah. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, I mean, it's uh, it's a show. Like, I mean, that's the best way to put it. I mean, there's not really a uh, – there's not really any other way to put it. And uh, it's – it's uh, like, like you mentioned, the this, this showdown – this weekend, yeah, is uh, is is going to be it's going to be miles ahead of better than what we would get maybe from um, the SEC Big Twelve football showdown. Yeah, um, going through the rest of these games here, we mentioned Kansas and their struggles coming in with three straight losses. They take out Kentucky. The game in Lexington and everything, we know Kentucky has not been great this year, but they've played better basketball as of late. Tom, uh, I know it's not technically this way, but this almost feels like a must-win game of sorts for Kansas. You can't lose four in a row, right? I mean, you can. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you can. Uh, <laughs> Is it uh, becoming of a, a program which we've known to win a four straight multiple times? Probably <laughs> not. But with that being said, you do get some leeway, I suppose, uh, when you win a national championship. But, uh, you know, that's probably not good enough for this KU team. Um, so, I – and and to be fair, they could have, should have, would have beat Baylor. Um, like I said again, if it was in if it was in Lawrence, uh, they they probably get that game, but it was not. And uh, you know, like you like you said, all things considered, 
this KU team is not going to be one, I don't think, that is just going to uh, outright run it back. Yeah, I mean, in this game here, Oscar Shibway, former West Virginia star, who's the big man, of course, for Kentucky now, he was a problem uh, for KU last year in this matchup. I have no reason to think why Kansas should be able to stop him again. This is a bad matchup for Kansas going up against Sheboy again. Uh, I will say, Tom, um, it wasn't too long ago Sheboy was in the Big 12. I'm glad he's out of there now. Stay at Kentucky. Glad things worked out for you, Sheboy. Uh, West Virginia kind of fell off ever since uh, he left, actually. Um, the other games in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Speaking of West Virginia, they've taken on an Auburn team that's 16 and 4, 15th in the country. West Virginia has not been so hot. Pressure's on Huggy Bear there. They are at home. Uh, West Virginia won't be favored, but I, I would think that they'll at least make it competitive. They should make this. This could be an opportunity for an upset here. West Virginia might be able to pull this one out. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, and, and you mentioned West Virginia. They seems like every time they have not, like, lived up to expectation. But, uh, you know, and somehow some people might be like, well, it's a Huggy Bear team. Well, in the same breath, you have Huggy Bear, and you think, well, actually, he's still a pretty good coach. So, you know, all things considered, Still could get the job done, no problem. Yeah, could happen. Uh, Alabama and Oklahoma, the Tide are number two in the country. I got to tell you, Tom, it's just painful that Alabama not only is great at football, but they're great at basketball now, too. That, that just doesn't feel right. No, they weren't always like that. But yeah. Alabama is also the home for uh, – the one and only Josh Primo. Yes. Uh, so you take that how you will. Yeah. 18 and 2 Alabama is. I just saw them get a nice win against Mississippi State tonight. Taking on this OU team that's 11 and 9. Porter Moser, eh, not looking so hot. Brandon Miller uh, for Alabama is averaging close to 20 points a game. Alabama, I think, is going to win with no problem. But. Is it time to start questioning if Porter's the right guy or not, Norman? Or is that too early to ask that question, Tom? I think it's too early, especially when, you you know, they'll be moving the SEC eventually. But, you know, when you consider all things, you, you look at um, what they like to call younger brother, um, and you think about it, and it's like, well, uh, look at how much time, you know, I mean, Really, like, let's think about it. Look at how much time uh, Mike Boynton's been given. Right. Um, you know, and he's had, I would say, I don't know, equal talent, maybe even better talent. Right. Um, but every so often, OU ends up getting these players that get them to the uh, Sweet 16 or maybe the Elite Eight or generate some sort of interest. You look at Blake Griffin, Trey Young, Josh Gray, Kevin Bookout. I mean, there are these players that, get, that garner this interest. Um, 
And I think Carter Moser can gra- grab one of those players and be fine. Um, but it's it is still very interesting what will happen. And yeah. I, I think I think Jones, I think we'll know more. I think we'll know more when uh you know when this whole change happens. You know, and, and we still do the Big Twelve breakdown and things like that. Um I, I would assume that we would also want to mention former Big Twelve teams like OU when yeah. it becomes I have to do a whole SEC segment or something in the future. You know? I mean, yeah, exactly. This means more. Uh, <laughs> Iowa State and uh, Mizzou. We mentioned Iowa State with a nice win over K State on Wednesday night. They're twelfth in the country at fifteen and four. Mizzou at fifteen and five, and uh, Mizzou uh, has had a pretty decent year, actually. Uh, all things considered, Mizzou's got a shot to be a tournament team and everything here. Um, they're at home here. KU beat the crap out of Mizzou earlier in the year at Mizzou. Iowa State, this go-round, I don't think think things are going to be quite like that. Uh, Iowa State's the better team here, but there's no reason to be sleeping on Mizzou here. I think I, I, Iowa State uh, and Mizzou should have a competitive game here with, a, with an edge to Iowa State, but not by a whole lot. I think it'd be closer than most people think. Yeah, I think so, too, and – um, from what I've seen from Mizzou, they can obviously play, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, this Iowa State team did just get beat by Oklahoma State, but I, I still do think they're dangerous. And, yeah, I mean, uh, they just beat I, Exactly. If, if I had to pick, I'm 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 rocking with Iowa State. Um, Tech and LSU. Tech probably the most disappointing team in the conference this year. Maybe one of the most disappointing teams in the country. 10 and 10 now, the Red Raiders are. Um, Kevin O'Banner, the former Oral Roberts star, he's averaging 15 points a game, but he's not getting much help uh, for that Texas Tech team. LSU, meanwhile, they're still hanging at 12 and 8. Um, KJ Williams averaging about 17 points a game there. Um, I lean towards it, I lean towards LSU in this game, but this could be if Texas Tech is ever going to get back on track. This is your opportunity to do it here. Go get a road win out of conference and and uh, get back on track in conference play after that. Uh, chance for Texas Tech to figure some things out here. Yeah, and I think they need to take every opportunity to figure those things out. Um, you know, like it has to come down to uh, them them getting, you know, Getting the job done and and uh, using the resources, but I, I do you call the season a loss already? It feels that way. I mean, it does really feel that way. Doesn't it seem like a long time ago? It's only been three years, but just three years ago, that team was in overtime in the national championship. Is that the Chris Beard team? Yeah. And now look at him. Man, times have been rough. I think maybe the biggest mismatch of the Big 12 SEC Challenge might be this TCU-Mississippi State game. TCU 11th in the country, 16-4, and four, Mississippi State 12-8. and eight. The game is in Stark Vegas. Mike Miles has been fantastic for TCU. He's averaging 19 points a game. Um, TCU has been playing some really good ball uh, here this season. 
that TCU team is fun. They're dangerous. Uh, watch out. I, I think I, I think they're going to have quite the day here against Mississippi State. Yeah, I think so. I, I like that matchup in terms of getting a dub for uh, the the Big Twelve. Will it? You know, I say I I do say that. Uh, logic would tell you that it probably would be that output, but at the same time, we've seen uh, teams like this Tech team uh, kind of shit the bed. So uh, Mississippi State football, basketball. It doesn't matter really what sport. They always do have that very weird, uh, we're going to win somehow. Right. Uh, I feel like they don't ever back down from anything. Arkansas and Baylor. Baylor, we mentioned just coming off that uh, win against Kansas on Monday night. Now they're at home against a pretty good Arkansas team that's 14 and 6. Baylor at 15 and 5, 17 in the country. Keontae George averaging 17 points a game. Flagler's playing good, too. They went through that skid where they lost, what was it, about three in a row, and now Baylor's back on track. Arkansas solid team, Ricky Council leading them in points, about 17 points per game. Baylor at home, top 25 matchup. They figured some things out here. Uh, I, I, I like Baylor to handle business here in, in a, what should be a pretty good ball game, but uh, Baylor, they're 17th in the country right now. They beat Arkansas here after beating Kansas. They very well might be a ten, top 10 team by the beginning of next week, Tom. And they definitely could be. I mean, obviously, they played pretty stout. I mean, they played pretty freaking stout against KU. So, um, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. And, you know, at, at this point, so far, so good. Couple more uh, on the habitual SEC challenge slate. Um, K State and Florida. We mentioned, uh, you know, K State uh, coming off the win last week against KU. They lose a close one to Iowa State, but that's only their third loss of the year. Seventeen and three. They're at home, and and this one's going to be personal time for Keontae Johnson, the star player for K State taking on his former team, Florida, and K-State's at home here. I, I Florida's an okay team. They're not great. They're 12-8. and eight. We know how good K-State is. I think this one's going to be personal for Keontae Johnson. I think this is a bloodbath. He goes off maybe for 30-plus, and K-State wins this game by 10 or more. I don't think this is going to be close. 30-plus? I mean, we'll see it when we believe it or see it when it happens, but – uh, I do think you'll have a great game, and uh, I think you'd be foolish to pick against K-State right now. Yeah. Um, and then last one, OSU and Ole Miss. Ole Miss is 9-11. OSU is 11-9. Bryce Thompson leading OSU in scoring with uh, 12 points per game. Uh, Oklahoma State, Tom, only averaging about 68 points per game right now. The offense has got to pick up. I mean, Bryce can't do it all. They got to get some more scores. I expect OSU to win at home here, but that that team they got to get the offense figured out here at some point. Yeah, and and like I said before, uh, you want to talk about Porter Mosier? Let's talk about Mike Boyton. Um, he he has got kind of, I guess maybe dealt uh, not the best hand. 
but at the same time, it's like, okay, uh, you you play with the, the hand you're dealt, and he's he's had some time. He has had some time. So he needs to uh, – Hot seat? For OSU, it's put up or shut up time right now. Yeah, it is. So there you have it. That's the luck of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Zach Fisher said to join us next. Coach Bo coming up on deck as well. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, we are very pleased to bring back on our old friend Zach Fisher from WHO-TV in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, my good friend dating back to our days at the University of Kansas when we were uh, just blowing shit up there, and uh, pleased to bring him back on the show. Zach, uh, my guy, good to hear from you. How you doing, man? Good, man. It's good to, to be back on here. It's been probably a year or so, a little over a year, but I appreciate you having me. You always got to say, you know, when you're talking about the University of Kansas, you got to say it's the NCAA's winningest college basketball program. Uh, I, I see that been... in your, uh, your your Twitter bio now, as well as Kirk Cousins' number one fan. Yeah, we've held that uh, Kirk Cousins' number one fan in my bio. for. I'm, I'm a Vikings fan. I got the Bengals jersey on right now for uh, <laughs> but uh, Vikings fan. You know, it started out as sarcasm in my bio, but now it's kind of like, you know, we'll kind of roll with it <laughs> i don't you know uh been up it's up and down with kirk everybody knows that but uh you know he's my guy right now so i'm happy with it um i mean i i feel like if you're a fan of kirk cousins or dak right now you're kind of one in the same i i hear you no i mean they feel like the exact same quarterback that's why i get so frustrated um in the off season when i always hear like you know how dak's like better than kirk or i see like him ranked above them, like several pegs. And it's like, I just feel like they are the same, the same type of quarterback. Both, were, really both were day three selections in the draft that overachieved and then got overpaid. Yeah. I, did, I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. I mean, they, and you know, they're, they're like, they're not game managers, right? Like they can right. take over a, a game when they need to be. I would argue Kirk probably has done that a little more this season than Dak, but. Uh, Better receiving court too, Kirk had. Uh, fair point. Yeah. Cowboys need a wide receiver too behind uh CD. Uh, other than that, they don't really got a whole lot. Are you like most Vikings fans and done with Dalvin too? You know, I see that uh, he's definitely slower than he has when I've been watching all the games this year. Um, he's got a slower step, but I'm not completely done with him. I think that uh, I think that he's one of those guys that would end up taking a pay cut to stay in Minnesota, or at least I hope he does. Um, that's my where my optimism lies with it. I don't want him gone though. I think he, uh, you know, he did it against Miami this year. He had a home run, 75 yard touchdown run. It was just literally just a run up the gut in like the B gap or C gap or whatever it was, and uh, just took it. it. And it was game, you know. So uh, to me, I'm a little frustrated when Vikings fans are just talking about how we're done with him because he's he just did that this last season. So, All right? Yeah, I understand. I understand where you're coming from there. I was seeing people too, like hating on. U.S. Bank Stadium. I saw something that was like one of the ugliest buildings in America. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I've seen that place a couple of times. I think it's fantastic. Maybe they're talking about it from the outside. I don't know. I don't know if they're talking about it from the outside. It's got a u- very unique look from the outside. Um, I think it looks cool on the outside, personally. Yeah. No, it looks like the Death Star or something, you know, like yeah. something like a Star Wars. And the inside's beautiful, too. So they're, whoever's saying that's not seeing the inside. I mean, the architecture on the inside with all the glass panels and everything. I mean, it's... Uh, it's really pretty on the inside. Only been there once, too. That was the Minneapolis Miracle game. I was up there with my dad. So that uh, was the one game you've been to up there? Yes. We hadn't been to a home Vikings game in forever since they had the new stadium because we go up to the Metrodome every single year back when I lived in Iowa. 
And uh, we went up to that game just luckily. Diggs ran it into the end zone that me and my dad were in, you know, 25 uh, rows up or whatever uh, in that section. But, oh, my goodness, it was like white noise loud. It was it was crazy. What a day for Case Keenum. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Should have paid him. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that that's incredible for your one game in that building to be that game. I know we were all chanting afterwards, going, "Hey, we want Philly, we want Philly," and we got Philly like what thirty-eight to seven, I think it was, um, in the NFC Championship game. So, just you come down to earth as a Vikings fan, you know, and that was it that season. Right. I'll say this like about Vikings fans because I remember a couple of years ago when they came to Kansas City, uh, when the Vikings played the Chiefs, Mahomes was hurt, yes. but they took over the stadium. And a lot of Chiefs fans intentionally sold their tickets because Mahomes wasn't going to play. And they, they spent the money to go to Nashville like a week or two later for the Titans game. They, and Chiefs fans took over that stadium. But I've always been amazed, like, I guess, you know, Vikings fans kind of remind me of Nebraska Cornhusker fans where you it doesn't matter what hell you put them through. Like, they're always going to stay loyal. No, that's a. I actually completely forgot about the Chiefs game. I think that's where, what whoever was think Travis Kelsey talking about. Don't sell tickets to oh, oh, Chris Jones. Or oh, Chris Jones. That's who it was. Okay, you're right. But yeah, no, the Viking. You know, it's just you're always going to be there because I feel like you're always going to know what's going to happen. It's just like it's just painfully pessimistic. Um, where you know you just enjoy the ride, enjoy the highs that you're on because you know the lows, the lows going to come. As if I, I just feel like that's with a lot of programs that haven't won a Super Bowl. I feel like the Bills are kind of going through that right now. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's never going to happen with us type thing. But uh, at the end of the you know beginning of the season, they're the preseason favorites to win the Super Bowl. So, anyway. I can't remember what your other teams are, but uh, was that KU National Championship like your first championship as, a, as just a sports fan ever? So, I'm a Cubs fan being from uh, okay, Iowa. That's right. Uh, you got their, uh, the AAA team um, at Principal Park here in Des Moines. Awesome, awesome stadium uh, in downtown. So you know, growing up, we'd see a lot of the, a lot of big names that were coming down, um, recovering from injury. So 2016 then was sophomore in college was my first actual like sports team that I loved championship. And then so basically, I mean, you've been through a lot of painful years with that. Yes, yes, over and over and over and over and over again. You know, it, but. We love sports. It keeps drawing me back. Uh, I love the – I just love the roller coaster of emotions. So, I'm just trying to hone in on that. Maybe one day I can love a Super Bowl winning team. <laughs> maybe. Maybe Kurt will uh, get the job done one of these days. Yeah. I'll have to see. Yeah. I don't know. How money's that maybe on that, we'll but. get Kurt versus Dak in the NFC Championship some year. That's what everyone wants, right? <laughs> That's what everyone wants for the NFC Championship game. Not Jalen Hurts or, uh, right. you know, or Mr. Irrelevant story, right? No one oh, wants and I, I know you hate Iowa State. How, how painful is that for you to see Brock Purdy one win away from a Super Bowl? Honestly, it's not um, – so the 49ers in general, I'm just kind of sick of because for this last decade they've had really good defense – and every time they go into the playoffs, they're always the team that, like, you don't want to play, right? They're right. always peaking at the right time, so it just is frustrating. Purdy doesn't really add a whole lot to me. Honestly, I like him more. This is weird, but I like him more because Purdy's there. Because it, really? it an Iowa connection, then you have Kittle. And I think that because George Kittle went to Iowa, so the Iowa-Iowa State banter between them I think has been really fun. So it's not been it's not been uh, terrible, but there's a lot of Iowa State fans up here that are absolutely loving Purdy. Um, with the 49ers. They're all what? Bang, bang, 49er gang is what I'm seeing on Twitter a lot. Uh, so, you know, it, it could be more annoying, I guess. More, uh, I'm not quite as uh, triggered by it as one would have thought. Yeah. Well, uh, 
Let's start with that game. Eagles and 49ers, what do you think of that matchup? First of all, I think O-line versus D-line is going to be uh, insane. The Eagles offensive line versus the uh, 49ers defensive line. Uh, really looking forward to just that matchup in general. Um, you know, it's going to be – I'm really curious as what the Eagles offense can do against the 49ers defense. The 49ers secondary is not uh, outstanding, um, but I'm just going to be – you know, how you contain Jalen Hurts is like going to be priority number one for that defensive line. Uh, whether it's, he's going to be, you've seen him run when the pocket breaks, he just runs straight up through it. Or, you know, when he's um, rolling out, then he's able to use his legs. So I'm just curious of what they're going to do uh, game plan wise for that. Cause the Eagles, I think have the most well-rounded team as a whole, and especially their offense too, with uh, Miles Sanders, who's got a rejuvenation of his career with Jalen Hurts and obviously their weapons they have at wide receiver. So I mean, like the Eagles are a team you have to go blow for blow with. So it's going to be, I believe, reliant on what Purdy can do with all the weapons he has on that 49ers offense. Yeah, I think so. I think that's going to be interesting. And you mentioned that offensive defensive line thing. I mean, you look at it, the Eagles have a historically good pass rush, you know, 16 more sacks than any other team in the NFL this year. And then you look at the Niners side, here's Trent Williams, who might be the greatest left tackle of all time. And those guys there, there well, what they bring to the table, something's got to give here. If if I'm Rock Purdy, I'm thinking quick passing game, limit what you can of that Eagles pass rush, I think is kind of the equalizer of sorts. Oh, for sure. And obviously with Christian McCaffrey week by week, you know, we've seen how comfortable he is with it too. That plays right along with the quick passing game. But it's going to be it's going to be high efficient routes, you know, high efficient uh uh, passes just to where – because against the Eagles – I mean, you've seen it all year long. The Eagles make you pay for your mistakes. There's very often where a turnover happens when they're already in, um, uh, you know, scoring territory reds. I mean, they make you pay for it. So you're going to have to make the most of literally every play, and I think that's just kind of – I think the 49ers are well-built to be able to handle that uh, – handle that, rather, with the, all the weapons they have, too, in the quick pass game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's going to be interesting. That Christian McCaffrey deal – has there ever been a greater midseason trade, you think? I mean, that Niners team just took off once they got McCaffrey there. And what that was the first week they played, it was against the Chiefs, and you know, they got smoked, but you know, you got to uh, work them into the system. And ever since he's been like worked in and looked like he's comfortable, but what they get was it a second and a third? Like, what was the trade for him? Like, something, yeah, second and third, yeah, something super low like that. Um, so I mean, they've just been. Their offense has just been rolling extremely well since Christian's been, you know, uh, worked into the system. And I, I honestly, too, I, I like when you have a veteran for that long, like Christian McCaffrey on the Carolina Panthers. You know, you don't, you're not holding them hostage when you're like, okay, we're going to trade them. So I think that's a, a cool thing too. Where you're like, okay, you know, go try to go try to win yours type thing. Right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy for him that he's got this opportunity for sure to be on a uh, very uh, competitive team there. That uh that Eagles team, um, you know, trying to find the mismatches of sorts and looking back at the tape and everything. Uh, Fish, one thing that stands out to me, I don't know about you, where I think the Eagles, their best shot to make this thing if if they're gonna win, I think AJ Brown has to play well. And I'm looking at what DK Metcalf did a couple weeks ago to the Niners tearing apart that defense. If if I'm the Eagles, I'm trying to get AJ to do what DK did a couple weeks ago. I'm 100% with you, and I think that there's going to be not a whole lot of uh, slowing uh, 
slowing him down, A.J. Brown. Um, I was looking up stats, too, and it might have been a TikTok that I was going across where I was talking about the 49ers secondary, but the team's number one they're playing always hits the over on receptions mm. for that bet line. I mean, th- there's not really a whole lot of slowing them down for, um, you know, plugging it to their number one. And obviously, as you know, if the pass game's there to the number one, then it opens up a whole bunch of uh, lanes in the running game, and that's just where – I mean, if, if they can get A.J. Brown incorporated, then – you know, 49ers are in big trouble because you're going to have Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts running up the gut at you. Yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll be something else. And the, uh, the shoulder from Jalen doesn't look like much of an issue. Don't you think? I was expecting like, you know, in Eagles fashion, how they lose is like, it's the big letdown to they lose to a team that they, they're not supposed to lose to. That's kind of the typicals what last decade or so. That's just kind of what happens with them. So I was looking to see if they came out flat or if that shoulder was impacting him at all against the Giants game. And like the shoulder doesn't look like the problem, you know, them not what, cause he played, he played, he hadn't played in three weeks at that point, two weeks at that point with the bye week. Anyway, he, he looks really healthy and uh, the Eagles are not slumping whatsoever um, based off that last game. Oh yeah. Yeah. it's a great point. Uh, let's shift gears. Talk about that. Uh, AFC title game. You got the Burrow jersey on. I know you're hyped for for Joe B. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this. Usually you can point to in these games and say, you know, hey, this quarterback, he's got the advantage here. Or this quarterback, he's been more clutch in the playoffs or something like that. To me, I, I, I can't point to an advantage one way or the other here. I mean, Mahomes has been that guy and risen to the occasion, but so has Joe Burrow. I mean, Mahomes has the Super Bowl, but Joe has the head-to-head here. I mean, b- both these guys are they're, – they're just built different here. I mean, I-, I don't think either one of these quarterbacks are going to lose their team this game on Sunday. No, uh, that's why I think it's the most intriguing matchup uh, of the whole weekend because, as you mentioned and alluded to, I mean, these are both of the guys that out of the top two quarterbacks in the league, if you had to say, okay – we have one drive left. Who do you want leading my drive? Most of everybody NFL fan wise is going to say Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow. So, I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be blow for blow. It's just going to, what it's just going to be whatever defense uh, ends up making the big play at the end, or, you know, whether it's there's eight seconds left on the clock and the chiefs go down and and, and score it uh, at that point, like we saw against the bills last year, but I'm really excited for this one. I think there's a lot of uh, bad blood, but that makes for exciting football to watch, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that that Mahomes uh, ankle issue, I don't know what to expect. I know that he's going to give it his all and he's going to try to play through it. But I, I, I'm I'm thinking this way, Zach, like it kind of remains to be seen. We, we won't know till we actually see what, what what there is of him or not. It could be a non-issue. It could be a factor either one. I'm not sure what it's going to be. And I, I'm more suspicious of it, too, of, like, how actually bad his ankle is. Because you've seen all the videos this week, right, of, like, when the local media outlets had, like, their, uh, you know, 20 minutes or whatever it is um, for recording practice once during the week. And you see him out there, like, running all across the field and him walking off the podium, too, from the press conference this week. I think you've probably seen those videos, Tyler, yeah. of him just, like, walking fun. So, to me, it's like, why, you know, he's really trying to make it look like he's good or he is, like, I've had, you know, not, not as bad an ankle sprain as that probably, but I'm not walking fine like that. Once again, I'm not an NFL, I'm not an NFL quarterback that's got all these resources. But to me, the, the amount of uh, video that's being shown of it and how perfect he looks, just I'm a, I don't, I have no clue why. I don't know if that makes me like conspiracy theorist, but it makes me seem like he's actually hurt worse than it is, if that even makes sense. 
And and if if it was conspiracy route, if I was Mahomes and the Chiefs, I'd be wanting to make it look like he was banged up of some sorts, that he was worse than he actually was. It, it try to try to you know give some false hope of sorts to the Bengals. That's what I'd be wanting to do if we're going the conspiracy route. No, you're right. Uh, no, you're exactly right. Where it's like, hey, he's not going to be 100 percent, whatever. But then flip it on you. If they're saying he's not all right, then you assume that he's good right like they're not showing him this week and then the flip side of that was kind of what i just said is if they're showing you he's good then he's not then he's not good so i yeah i mean i don't know anything but uh you know i i understand what you're saying too which uh which offense you like better for these uh between these two teams uh, man that's a that's a tough question um you know beginning of the season like just weapon wise obviously i'm going to say just I'm going to say the Bengals there, but the Chiefs, I was really curious how they gel with, you know, Juju, uh, uh, Valdez, Scantling, like all these new additions, obviously with the the Tony trade in the middle of the year, but they're gelling really well. And that's dangerous for um, anybody playing the Chiefs is when they're just starting to gel. That means Andy Reid's got what it looks like is free reign on the playbook from that uh, spin move they did against uh, the Raiders in uh, week 18. So, I mean, they're definitely having fun. And I think when the Chiefs are having fun and when they're kind of the underdogs, I think that's when they're the most uh, dangerous. Um, They haven't been underdogs, you know, playing in a playoff game really since what leading up to their first Super Bowl win. Right. Yeah. It's a good point. And, you know, we talked in the last game, the battle in the trenches, it seemed like big, you know, there wasn't much of an advantage either way. This game, I, I'm looking at this, uh, Zach, and I'm seeing big advantage for Kansas City as opposed to Cincinnati, and on both sides, offensively and defensively. Um, but, you know, Cincinnati, what's it been now? Two years, and they've continued, you know, Joe Burrow's played through having a bad offensive line. It's pretty, been pretty impressive what he's been able to do to work through that. I think you're right too. I think the Chiefs have the uh, advantage on both sides of the line there too. What they're the Bengals are down to their third left tackle, I believe, who played well last week. But you're just gonna have to, you know, I, I'm not sure. I don't know his name or how how uh, young he is. I'm gonna assume he's young. But then you just got to go after that young guy in the the big games because that's what's gonna give you those uh, game winning plays on the defensive uh, end side. But like you, you mentioned too, like Joe Burrow, but he still gets it done without a line. Like we, we've seen that. The only thing that really happened with not having a line was towards ACL. They try to patch it up when he comes back, but he still just gets it done with the uh, poor offensive line play. So I think the chiefs do have the advantage to obviously be in the home game, but I think the Bengals are also scary once again, when they're the underdog and people doubt them, they're the same way in that sense as the chiefs are with Pat. Yeah. Yeah, Zach, uh, I know you're you're a Big 12 guy, and, you know, it was three years ago. A Big 12 quarterback had never won a playoff game. Now three of the final four quarterbacks in the championship weekend are from the Big 12 conference. Amazing uh, just the turnaround and people finally recognizing the talent that's uh, that's in that league. It's awesome. It's awesome, and it makes a lot of sense that you've seen this last decade of uh, Big 12 football, too, just with the high-scoring West Coast offense styles. I mean, you know, the Big 12 is not known for defense uh, in these last, what, seven years or so. So I think it's really cool that the you're seeing the turnaround, too, uh, with Big 12 quarterbacks because, you know, a lot of those guys were just – you'd you look at them as, like, system guys, and they're not going to make it to the NFL. They're just a product of their coach. So it's cool to see that there's some actual studs coming out of the Big 12. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm definitely excited about it. And 
uh, easy to root on these guys too to see uh, the, the impact they've made. And, and uh, you know, with that, let, let me ask you this. What's your, uh, what's your picks for both games? How do you see both of them playing out? What's our Super Bowl matchup going to end up being? So NFC, I'm just going to go right away. Eagles uh, kind of alluded to this before we started the this uh, call here, but uh, the Eagles, like I said, most well-rounded team. Every single game I've seen them, you know, they're winning. It's been like a handful that they haven't won by two or three scores. So I think that you have to keep up with their offense because they're going to always score on you no matter what. You got to be able to keep up with them. So I think tip the tip the cat there to the uh, Eagles offense and just being able to get it done. Uh, and then the Bengals Chiefs game, that's a, an extreme tough one uh, to pick. You know, you talk about the head to head matchup 3 0, but it's at Arrowhead. Like I said, it's the it feels like the Chiefs are underdogs. It feels like the year they weren't supposed to make it. And that's when they win. So I think they're going to get the win um, in Arrowhead at the Arrowhead Invitational. Uh, yes. They, uh, or as some people are calling Burrowhead, which is uh, <laughs> it won there one time. Let's slow down on that one, you know. But uh, I know. I know. You're poking the bear, though. You know what I'm saying? You're poking the bear. And that's not Arrowhead and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. That's not a bear you want to be poking. So, so who do you like ultimately to win it all at that point? Take a step further there. That stuff. So I like that matchup just for the sense of obviously Andy Reid and both of his, you know, both of his program, old uh, team there, old organization. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Vikings fan, so we got to keep this in mind. Like, I don't want the Eagles to win, and I'd be rooting for the Chiefs, if it, was, if it was Chiefs Eagles. But I think the Eagles are just, the last week just kind of proved it to me. They're the best team in the NFL, they're the most well rounded, and they haven't fallen off yet. I mean, their team, offensive defense is just a gauntlet. Uh, I'm excited for that matchup if that's what it is, but I just think the the Eagles, unfortunately, are just the best team in the NFL, and I think they're going to be able to get it done. Yeah, I'm with you. I have the Eagles beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but I think we're in for uh, for three great games coming up here the uh, the next couple of weeks. And, and you know, I mean, e- even this week, Zach, I-, I wonder if you're in the same boat, you know, I love Super Bowl Sunday, but usually you're at a party and there's the casual football fans or the non-football fans around, and they're asking questions or worried about the commercials. I, I think championship weeks for the diehards. I, I'm I enjoy championship Sunday more than I do Super Bowl Sunday myself. The the two games compared to one, sign me up. No, I'm off. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, it's the best four teams usually. Sometimes there's the underdog, but I truly believe these teams are the best four teams in the league right now. Yeah, I'm with you. Sometimes when I'm watching football games, you know, I love bar settings with your buddies is all fun. But me and my brother are kind of the same way in this sense where we get we're really passionate about it, even when it's not our teams, though, too, just right. like looking at stuff and evaluating. So you just kind of want to be in a sense where you're able to in an environment where you can soak everything in. And uh, we don't have a whole lot of football left, too, right, until the start of the next season. So, yeah, yeah that's a great point. Uh, Zach, we have a little bit of time left, so I want to ask you. Uh, I know you uh, you've been following our uh, our Jayhawks here. What the hell is going on with this team? I mean, Raider game the other night, and you know they 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 struggle, couldn't you know get much offense beyond Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson. I mean, three in a row. What, what what's going on with this team? From what you've seen, you can hear uh, my dog Bo right here. It's his frustration with way Kansas's plan. <laughs> Saying Bill Self put me in, he's playing with this ball right here. Saying put me in, I'm ready to go. Well, Bo's a good boy, then yes. Yeah, he know you know. What is that KU? Is that KU? All right, Bo, settle down. It's that KU slump when they were what only had one loss back in December, early January. To me, it's like this team is not that record. They're not that good. You got great veteran experience with Jalen. 
but you need other veterans to uh, pick it up uh, for you there. So to me, it's the slump that's happening. There's always a year in Kansas basketball, Tyler, you know this too, going to the school, like when they come out of the slump is who you figure out like what this team is, right? If they're coming out. This time last year, they got blown out by Kentucky and ended up winning the national championship. Exactly. I completely forgot about that. No, that's a good point. Uh, No, I mean, it just, it's just, we're going to figure out who this team is coming out of the slump. So I think it's a, I'm glad that we're still right in the fire. I'm going to Kentucky, uh, you know, this uh, Saturday. So they need to pick it up, but I got no concerns with them being able to, we just got to get some, we got, got to get uh, Jalen Wilson, some consistent help as a Robin to his Batman every game. Uh, yeah, I mean, Grady Dick has been a good sidekick for most of the year, but we've seen him, you know, have the ebbs and flows of some sorts. Uh, but, I mean, when we've seen freshmen under Bill Shelf, usually they take a while to develop. I'm impressed what we've seen from him as as a freshman in this year. I, I, I think he's got a bright future. I'm excited to see more of uh, Grady Dick, what, it, what he does when he goes pro. It was shocking, too, kind of right when he came in, you know, because you're right, Bill likes to, whatever he does with the, those uh, freshmen coming in, uh, you know, to slowly work them in, get their confidence because it's a different style of play. The fact that he was coming out of the gate as hot as he was uh, really caught me off guard. It made me sad right away because I'm like, oh, no, this is one of those guys that could be leaving and go to the draft, and I'm, this is a guy that I want to stick around. Yeah, but he's got to get more consistent. You know, you're seeing those young, um, typical airs, you'd see somebody uh, – a young basketball player in a Bills program do, but definitely excited for him in his future. Um, hope he st- sticks around for a while because he'd be like, think of him being like one of those seniors, leaders types, you know, I think that would be uh, super cool. All right, uh, Zach, we got a little bit of time left. Uh, so tell me uh, what, what's going on with what you're doing in uh, Iowa. You've been there for over a year now and covering the city of Des Moines. What's uh, What's the daily grind like up there, man? So uh, the uh, state session uh, for the Iowa legislature just uh, started up um, on January 9th. So I'm a state house reporter. So I'm up there Monday through Wednesday, you know, following bills, going through subcommittees, committees, uh, you know, passage on the in both chambers. Um, so I really like that aspect of covering politics in the state where my family lives. I think we had talked about this last time I was on, too, but I really enjoy that. And then I'm the weekend morning anchor from 8 to 10 a.m. on the WHO 13 in Des Moines. Uh, I was born in Des Moines, so I really, I mean, it's super cool being able to work with people that I watched growing up and my parents um, idolized too when they spent their, uh, you know, late 20s and 30s here in uh, the city. Um, So that's kind of what I'm doing. Uh, Really enjoying it, getting back on the anchor desk in a permanent spot here just recently. So uh, really excited for that. That's awesome. And uh, I I can't remember if we've talked about this or not, but I I feel like it's it's worth bringing up here. when we were in college, you know, there was, as Zach takes a sip of this bush light, it's very fitting. There was something that he showed me that I think you still do to this day, this uh, the Zach beer challenge. Is this still a regular thing for you? So it's not re- it's not as regular as it used to be uh, as we're, yeah, we're getting up there. But so it's just – we did talk about this last time for the <laughs> – I think we talked about this a couple of times. But okay, I love let's remind the it. people in case they forgot. Yes. Okay. So you got four beers. Back when we were in school, you know, you don't have a lot of money. We're working okay. part time at Hy-Vee is what I was doing. So you get four beers if your buddies are going out to the bars that night on a Thursday night and you're coming out from work. You drink four beers really usually quick. Usually Bush Light, right? Bush Light. Yeah. That, that's the preferred choice. But sometimes it's, you know, natural light uh, going up the, the college budget. But now since we're grown, we, we prefer Bush Light. <laughs> we can afford Bush Light now. So it's, a, you know, two minutes, two minutes of beer or so it's four and eight minutes. And, you know, you're not like bloated afterwards, but you're right. just 
need to go out. Uh, so it's like the the perfect combo. So you'll respect this then. It, it kind of adds to what we've been talking about here. So I, I'm not sure how much you've seen, but the job I have now, I can now drink on the job. In fact, it's actually encouraged. And people pay us money to not only talk about football, but to drink while we're watching football. Yeah. And so if we get a certain number of super chats on YouTube, then I usually have to drink what's called a boot, which is three 12-ounce beers in one, and try to drink it as fast as possible. And I feel like the Zach Beer Challenge prepared me for the boot. Like it was training for the boot. Because now, Zach, I, I I do this boot usually in about 14 to 20 seconds, give or take. I saw you doing a video of it. And I think it was even less than that. Uh, when you, uh, I don't know if it was Instagram or Twitter, but I saw you do it less than that. And let me say, it is impressive because we've done, we had done that four beer challenge one time. Uh, you finished it. didn't end great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> run into the sink. Um, but uh, no, that boot video was impressive, Tyler. I mean, you're, you're definitely getting up there. Your speed's increasing. In that we got to get you to do a boot one of these days. <laughs> I've had, I have done boots. Just there's, there's not a video of me on camera doing one, but we, we can do that. We can do that for sure. <laughs> Oh man, uh, it's uh, somebody pays me to do it. I can't believe it sometimes, but uh, maybe I need to do a bush light boot next. Usually, I'm doing like Michelob or Bud or Coors. I, you know, any of the above that you can get your hands on, but when I'm just drinking light beer, bush is just my choice with that. And yeah. it's not a nice cup of tea, but if you're in Iowa, you kind of got to be like that. I'm kind of trying to introduce you to it. So maybe, maybe I need to come how down often, to do how often do the bars up there run out of bush light? That's a great question. I'm not sure. That's it's probably every night, right? I would assume that's what the, you see. Iowa State. Hats off to Iowa State rep, represent with the Bush Light because every bowl game they go to, I mean, they drink all the bars out of it. So I might have to have a Bush Light for Charlie Kolar and uh, Brock Purdy this weekend. That, right there, you go. Yeah, exactly. George Kittle too. Get that uh, Iowa tradition. Get, get uh, some Casey's Pizza too. There's always an Iowa connect. Yeah, there's seriously Casey's too. Casey's Pizza. It's it's great. There's always an Iowa connection. That's what people say up here um, in the state a lot. There's always a connection to Iowa in the weirdest ways possible. So I guess my Iowa connection is that I lived in Omaha and went to Des Moines, went to uh, Council Bluffs to go sports bet. There's always an Iowa connection, Tyler. <laughs> That's probably the best thing about living in Iowa. You got the legal sports betting. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been good. It's been fun. Uh, you know, we, we we have fun. You know, twenty five dollars every weekend. Just enjoy it. You know, it's yeah. it's fun. Doing big, it. big. Zach, uh, before we go, where can people find you and see uh, all the stuff you're doing, man? Yeah, we're gonna be uh, Zach Fisher News on uh, Twitter. Uh, Zach Fisher just on Instagram, and you can find me on Facebook there too with my news page. Um, so just go ahead and follow those. Who13.com. That's the station that I work for. Uh, if you're in Central Iowa. Hey, WHO 13 on the on the weekends, uh, 8 to 10. I'll be there, uh, anchoring your news. Zach, thanks for joining us, man. We'll uh, talk in down the line. Appreciate you joining us. Yes, thank you for having me back. Always a pleasure, Tyler. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisor Group. You can find O'Connor Advisor Group online, oagcast.com, o'connoradvisorgroup.com. You can find uh, Bo, Coach Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. And uh, Coach Bo joins us right now. He's also the host of the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Bo, uh, how we doing? You ready to talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and all your favorite characters? We're not talking Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady today. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, what about a mock draft? Out. I know you want a mock draft. <laughs> oh man, and, you know I. We'll talk about that in a minute. I, I'm doing all right though. You doing all right? I'm good. I'm very. You got, well. you got any other things you want to bring up? Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, what, what what do you think about the 2024 election? I oh, know I'm. I'm just I don't. Oh, I, hey, I can go there <laughs> if you want. Hey, let's just talk about football. We have some great games over the weekend. We got some really good stuff coming up. Um. So I, I was. I want to bring this up before we get into the picks and everything, Bo. Okay. Um, so I was reading that uh, LSU people are taking in the Bengals as their own, referring to them as just straight up the Bayou Bengals. Um, so are you are you officially a Bengals fan at this point, you and the rest of the, uh, nope. the LSU people? No, no. I, I am a Burrow and Chase fan, yes. But I am not a Bengals fan. I'm rooting for the Bengals because they might root against my guy Burrow. But what I will say is, if you listen to the Bayou Bengals, to you, no, no. I mean they're close. I mean we got the they have the goat, you know, G A U X T. Um, But no, you got to look at it and say with the with the Bengals, like you got the LSU guys. It's great. Um, But you know, I'm still a Saints guy, but. I will say, I, I said it this week on Twitter, and I said it on the podcast this past week, my Saints fandom has really been, um, it's like I've been taken advantage of. And I, I feel like I might go into free agency as far as fandom. We've been talking about that on my podcast. We'll talk about it again this coming week, but there's a chance that Coach Bo may go into free agency as a fan because I'm really upset with my New Orleans Saints. So now the obvious choice would be to go to the Bengals because of Burrow. But I also don't get over the who day and where do we do the who that? So did it wasn't it a complete ripoff of that? I the Bengals fans claim they did it first. Saints fans claim they did it first. I think the Bengals were the first ones to actually do it. I don't know that for certain. No one cared about the Saints till like 2008. Yeah. Um, now that Joe Burrow and the Bengals are going to the AFC Championship for the second straight year um, and what they've done in these three seasons, uh, l- let me let me ask you the, the age-old question that we have talked about this show for three years. Uh, yes, he's the greatest Finally, do the Bengals deserve Joe Burrow? You know what? There are some things they've done to finally deserve it. See, <laughs> the whole argument, my whole argument on the Bengals not deserving Joe Burrow is because of how bad an owner Paul Brown is. But a couple of the things they've done, they've finally put together an indoor facility for practice. They didn't have an indoor facility till this season. They're spending money on free agency. They've never done that. They're signing players. the long-term contracts and now they're going to attempt to do something and sign burrow to an extension and i've heard about some ideas what they're trying to do because they have a they have an issue with the cash so it'll be interesting to see what happens okay so they're as close as they've ever been to deserving deserving yeah because they changed some of their ways i mean you get a player like that it's the same as like the chiefs you know the chiefs you go back to like the 90s and the early 2000s 
the Chiefs were kind of a cheap franchise. They, right. they would say they were trying to win, but they were really just trying to sell tickets and merch. And that was you know, the whole Carl Peterson thing, you know. And that's kind of how the Bengals have been. They really didn't care if they won as long as they were getting, and now it's the TV contract money. Right. And it, it's hard to be a it's hard to be a family-owned team where your wealth is tied to the team. Yeah. So I get that. Mm-hmm. But I, you know. When you get a player like Joe Burrow and then Jamar Chase, and you have the success of moving forward the way they have, you do have to run your organization as a first-class organization. Because if you don't, those players aren't free agents aren't coming. Those players yeah. aren't going to resign. You know, right? And that's something that some teams have had to find out, and the Bengals found out the hard way on that. I want to go through all four of these teams that are left, and so, let's start with Cincinnati here. Okay. And I look at the offense as good as any offense remaining in, in the final four. Um, the defense has had its moments at times this year. Eli Apple played one of the best games of his career last week, and he's been a liability for them over the last couple of years, obviously. What, what I wonder, if the – let's say, if the Bengals don't beat Kansas City – what would it be that gets in the Bengals' way? What is the weakness they have to overcome on their own uh, in order to beat Kansas City? The Bengals are going to have to worry about the play of the offensive line, the offensive and defensive lines. Um, last week was the best the Bengals' lines have looked all season long. Yeah. Their offensive line played the best game they've probably had since Joe Burrow's been there. And their D-line really came up and played great this past week against Buffalo when they were getting killed versus Baltimore. Baltimore's offensive line was pushing Cincinnati's offensive line around. Cincinnati made a change about three games into the season. And they moved DJ Reader to right on the nose. They played him in a three technique. And he is basically playing both A-gaps. And when he's on, it's really hard to run the ball against them because they can be gap sound in every other gap with him basically covering two insides. And you have to double team him every time. Well, against the Ravens two weeks ago, he was getting killed by just the center. That center from the Ravens, you know who I'm talking about. I can't believe his name off the top of my head. Um, was just I mean, pushing him around. Yeah. Tyler this past week, they go to Buffalo and – it was it was it was the whole other thing. So yeah, if the if the Chiefs are going to win the game, and I think this is going to be a close game, I think this is going to be super close. It's going to come down to who plays better in the trenches. The Chiefs are going to have to protect Mahomes like they'd never have had to before either, with him having an an ankle injury. He won't be able, in theory, to get out as much. So you're going to have to be able to get pressure if you're the Bengals. And you're going to have to be able to give Burrow some time and run the football if you're the Bengals. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a big deal. And, you know, usually when we're talking, Bo, about Kansas City and their offense, they're wanting to turn things into a shootout and try to outscore their opposing team. Usually that's what we've talked about the last few years. I'm looking at this game and – with Cincinnati having, I think, the more explosive offense between these two teams and Mahomes coming in with this injury here, I would think if you're Kansas City, 
you actually want to slow down this game and you don't want to turn it into a shootout. If it's a shootout, I think Cincinnati wins about every time if it's a shootout. I think right now they do. but So I think it's really important for the Chiefs to run the football. Uh, on my podcast, we've been talking about this all season long. The secret to winning in the playoffs, especially now, is to run the football. The two teams that I've talked about who I think had disappointed throughout the year at times and looked great at times, Chiefs being one and the Dallas Cowboys being the other, I said, look, there's no secret sauce here. It's simply run the football. If yeah. you run the football, you're going to control the clock. Now, the Chiefs usually don't have to worry about controlling the clock because Mahomes can score so quickly. But now you've got a guy in, in Burrow and that offense that can score just as fast. Yeah. Fast as you can. And they want to get you to play from behind. I mean, if they win, the Titans are taking the ball. They want to get you down 14, like they did Buffalo this past week, like they did a couple weeks ago to the Ravens. Right. They make you play fast. The way to beat the Bengals, what the Chiefs are going to have to do is run the ball. They've got a really good running back. Pacheco's been great this season. Yeah. And if I'm the Chiefs, I'm saying, hey, we can we can really protect Mahomes by just putting him in a shotgun and let him move people around. This is one thing Mahomes does really well, and so does Burrow. Watch this in the game. Watch how they're going to use motion to open up run lanes. Burrow is the best in the league at behind Brady. Mahomes is so much better at it this season than he's ever been. And when you look, when the, when the Chiefs run some motion and they get people moving around, they're trying to move linebackers. And when they do, they create run lanes. And when you see Pacheco break off these 8, 10, 12-yard runs, that's what it is. It's because of the motion and getting the defensive players where you want them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so, going to be fascinating, for sure. It's uh, going to be a hey, – I think that's going to be a great – I think both these games are going to be great. And I think that it's a tough game to call. I know that the starting up Chiefs were the slight favorite. Now the Bengals are a slight favorite. I expect by game time for it to flip back to the Chiefs being the favorite because now we're seeing Mahomes practice and everything. Right. But I, these are two really good teams. These are the two best teams in the AFC. Well, and, and one of the things, too, that I find interesting about this matchup is, you know, usually we, when we come playoff time and some of these bigger games, we can point to, okay, this quarterback has been great in the postseason and this guy's folded. You know, like your Dak Prescott's and your Kirk Cousins of yeah. the world who've not done well in the postseason. And then – you know, I remember even Peyton Manning early on in his career, people were like, well, he can't win the big game. He can't get it done. You know, look at Tom Brady. He can win the big game. You know, that was a yeah. conversation at one point in time. I look at this game here, Bo, you got two clutch quarterbacks. I mean, Mahomes and Joe Burrow have won on the biggest yeah. stages. Obviously, Mahomes has got the ring, but, you know, Joe Burrow's beat him three straight times, including in the AFC title game in Kansas City here. Both these guys aren't going to be playing scared, and it, it's – Oh. I, I would be shocked if either one of them choked because that's not in either one of these quarterbacks' DNA here. They're going to leave it all out in the football field. Yeah, these are the two. So what you've got is what you've got like polar opposites in how they play. There's yeah. no quarterback as athletic as Mahomes. I mean, he's just a special kind of dude. Right. And then you've got Burrow, who's just this stone cold killer. He just 
Everything's very calculated. It's very Peyton Manning-like. And that he's going to move you around. He's going to put his team in the right situations. And they're going to do it from there. Mahomes is one of those. He can draw up a play and get you. It's very rare that Burrow has to do something like that. He's capable of it. Uh, they call him sneaky fast, yes. which means you're a white guy and you're fast. But <laughs> he's um, uh, he he can do that. They just don't do it in their offense. He's got the weapons around him. They got a run game, a fairly good offensive line now. It, it's going to be two different styles, but I think both teams are going to want to do the same thing. They want to keep their offense on the field. Keep yeah. that great quarterback on the sideline. Right. Far you get Mahomes off. the field it's fine you'll see i think we'll see the the Bengals come out and run the ball a lot too they're going to try to have six and seven you know minute uh possessions i think the chiefs are going to do the same thing to burrow they don't want burrow on the field right yeah th- this is this is one in one a is the best two quarterbacks in the league yeah yeah i mean we, everybody talked about it was mahomes and josh allen as the you know quarterbacks of the future i mean josh josh allen's great don't get me wrong yeah. It's not a knock on Josh Allen, but I think Joe Burrow has taken at least that seat away from Josh Allen at this point, where it's Mahomes and Burrow at this point in time. And yeah, and I know I know that you know, neither one of us, Bo, are big into the the goat conversation or anything like that. But no, no. if if Joe Burrow could beat Mahomes here and beat him four straight times, get in the AFC title game. It's going to be hard to argue that Burrow's not the better quarterback uh, if, if he can beat him again. Well, there's there's truth to that. The, the issue is, is also is, like, let's say Burrow wins, but then loses the Super Bowl. Yeah. Then is he really? Because then the argument will, if Mahomes got there, maybe he would have won it. Um, I think what we're going to see is this is going to be like the Peyton, this is going to be the Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady in this generation. The Montana versus Marina, the you know whatever you want to use, I think that's what these two are, and I think that if you look at it, the comparison is really the Montana Marino in the eighties. Yeah, because Ma- Joe Burrow plays like Joe Montana, and Mahomes is like a more athletic Dan Marino. Yeah, I, I just I think the world of both these two. And, then, and look, everyone that knows me knows I am the hugest Joe Burrow fan. And I had said it on my podcast this past week. If I had to pick a guy right now, I would take Mahomes. Just because the athleticism is something you can't get anywhere else. Right. There's something about Burrow that since his last game was a junior in college, their bowl game that year. I was at that game. Since that game, he's just been unfocused. That means he's unstoppable. He's been fly. You're not going to get him down. I mean, right. I've seen games where he threw four. I've seen games where he threw four interceptions, and mm-hmm. he's still trying to beat you. He had four. He had four turnovers in week one this year. Right. But he's going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming, and I respect that. And I, and I don't think that's a knock on Mahomes. And when I've talked to people about this, this recently, I've been like, you know, I've been talking up Burrow. But then I talk about Mahomes, and people are like, well, you don't like you don't think Mahomes is good. It's not what I'm saying at all. Like, this is like arguing which is your favorite kid. They're both right. great. They're the yeah. best two. There's literally 30 more of them, and none of them are as good as these two. 
For me, what, what I like about Joe Burrow is just the fact that, as you mentioned, he's put that work in. I was listening to Urban Meyer uh, talk, you know, the other day, and and uh, Urban Meyer, of course, coached him at Ohio State. He obviously he didn't play much for Ohio State, but Urban talked about, you know, hey, yeah. he was he was very raw when he showed up here, and there was a lot of stuff that we had to work through. And he was asked about, you know, well, why did you start? Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins over him. And he said, well, at that moment in time, Dwayne Haskins was the better quarterback at that yeah, moment. He was. And he people had, will. T.J. Barrett was better than him at the time. T.J. Barrett, yeah, and Cardell Jones. And, you know, yeah. people look back and they say, you know, well, how could Urban pick the wrong guy? No, no, no. Urban, at that moment in time, had to do what was best for Ohio State. At that moment, he was the better quarterback. No, Joe has come yeah. along so fast in the last few years of of putting in the work to be that guy. It wasn't nat all natural ability at overnight. The work has been there from Joe to get to this point. Yeah. And when he got to LSU, people don't remember how he wasn't great his first year at LSU. No. He wasn't really good until the bowl game. And he had like three weeks to prepare. They put in their new offense. And I've never been at that game. I was at that game in Phoenix, and they're playing UCF. And we're sitting there going, people thought that UCF was going to kill LSU in that game. They'd heard all about this new offense they're going to do and what's this going to be like. And we saw it that day. I saw him get – I saw Burrow get hit by a guy, and it would have just about knocked anybody else out of the game. And he just got up and was like, let's go. Let's yeah. go. You can see the toughness. And then he comes out and has the best season in the history of college football. Right. Like, literally. <laughs> I mean, it's not really arguable at this point. And then he gets to be the number one pick, and he was great from day one. He's just a hardworking guy, and he's got an acumen for this. Yeah. He's not the most physically talented. That's Mahomes, by far. And I'm not saying that Mahomes doesn't have the mental acumen, because he may. He may even have Joe Burrow's mental Argument. I mean, we've seen Patrick Mahomes do some pretty incredible things. It's just a different scale. It's just two different players, and they're they're both absolutely incredible. I know it's, but you know what? I know it's almost blasphemous, Bo, when you mention anybody to Tom Brady. But Joe Burrow reminds me of of Tom in the sense of, hey, all the natural things he wasn't all necessarily gifted with, but he yeah. put in the work to get the most of what he has. And so that's a big deal for me. One more thing on this game, and then we'll pick I it. think a strong argument. Yeah. Go ahead. One more thing on this game, and then uh, and complete that thought with, with, uh, with, with what I'm about to ask you next to. Combine the two together. Um, the Mahomes injury, how much of a factor is that? Okay, I'm kind of well, I'm worried but not worried at the same time. Um, I saw the tape today, just like everybody else has, as we're recording this, that Mahomes practiced. We saw a tape of him actually He's working through practice. He's not wearing a boot. He's not wearing anything extra. He was stretching. He was going through full participant practice, which is not going to be, a you know, in the playoffs, it's not going to be a hard practice. But it tells me he's ready. Um, the thing with that is it's going to be cold, and he needs to avoid getting hit. Yeah. A big hit 
something where he gets twisted up or rolled up on and in that cold weather could make it a problem. But Patrick Mahomes is double tough. Yeah. That dude is tough as a box of nails. And I suspect he'll be out there and be ready, and he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that that's not on his mind in the game. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Let's uh, let's pick the game here, Bo. I'll be honest with you. My, if I didn't have a dog in this fight, I'd probably take Cincinnati, but I can't put my bias aside here and not pick against Kansas City and Patrick Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at home. I couldn't live with myself if I picked against the Chiefs and they won this game. So. I am going to go with my heart, not my mind. I'm going with the Chiefs to get it done. What say you? I think it's a super close game. I think either team's capable of winning. I, too, have a rooting interest here. This is my this is my favorite player. Joe Burrow is my favorite player in the NFL. And it's not even close. Um, I have a hard time picking against Burrow. I can see where this is going to be a problem, though. It's Arrowhead. It's going to be loud. It's going to be cold. And it's going to be something different than he's had to deal with in the pros. I still like the Bengals, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think this is a two-point game one way or the other. I mean, this is going to be – it may come down to who has the ball last wins. You know, or or – some big play does or doesn't happen. Somebody throws an interception. Somebody makes a great play defensively at the end of the game on one of those two quarterbacks. I I, I, I can't say that anybody is wrong for picking the Chiefs. I'm yeah. going to lean against the Bengals. In the, in the end, it's because of the injury. Like, I do think there's something to that. And I just think that the Bengals seem to have the Chiefs number. They're just not intimidated. And it's not just the Chiefs. They're not intimidated by anybody. Yeah. And that's why I'm going to pick the Bengals in a super tight, super close. This should be a really great game. I mean, the Bengals, they wouldn't even fear Alabama. You know I mean? <laughs> I guess yeah. so. this, this will be the hardest crowd Joe Burrow's played against since he beat Alabama in college. Yeah. And so it'll be – I mean, that's a loud crowd. This will be like that. This will be tough. But uh, I like that the, like the Bengals have some swag about. Yeah, this too. They were, you know, they were calling it Burrowhead, and they're ready. I mean, they're not. It, there's something to that, and that's him. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. Thomas Bridges is here with us too, and uh, Tom, uh, what, what what are you thinking on this game? Uh, Bengals or Chiefs? Line is even. Pick them. Who do you got? Listen, 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 listen. I heard both both of you said, and I agree a little bit with both of you. Um, you know, it's funny, Bo. You said you said you did mention in quotes, maybe not in quotes, but you said something about Burrow saying I'm him last week. Burrow did mention and his mic'd up shit that he's like I'm him, pretty much for the uh, uninitiated or the uh, if you have the uh, 
you know, if you have the, the bad words muted, uh, if you're listening now, pretty much what Burrow said, I'm that motherfucker, is what he said. Is what he really said. I'm that motherfucker. I'm that bitch. And yeah. I think he yeah. is. I think he is that motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, he's great. I guess so. I do too. I mean, he's, 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 he is that, he is that motherfucker. He is, but on the other side of things, they did get the best of the chiefs last year. And, uh, you know, this, this game ain't in Atlanta. It is in Kansas city and it is cold. And Cincinnati's used to that. This year is for the chiefs to get that redemption shit. And I don't think Mahomes is taking it lightly. We've seen, we've already seen the videos. You guys mentioned it earlier. We've seen that redemption status. Would I be surprised if the Bengals win? No. But I'm going to say on the show, Chiefs 38, Bengals 28. 10-point win. Okay. But wow. but and it's not it's gonna be it's gonna be probably in the last three or four minutes. It's not gonna be like a dominant win. Like Chiefs are gonna put it away with a field goal. It's gonna it's gonna be a seven point game until the last four minutes. Chiefs are gonna kick a field goal and the Bengals are gonna have to try to figure it the fuck out in the last four minutes of how they wanna go about it. I think there's a strong chance that you're right. I do. I mean I and I, I think, also think the Bengals could win for sure. I I, I love the swag. One I thing love that hasn't been swag. said. You brought this up great, Tom. Is that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, the, I think you. Go ahead. I, I, what, what you were saying, I think, was the Chiefs have been waiting for this game for 365 days. They've been thinking about the Bengals beating them on their own turf and getting that revenge. And yeah, I you look Andy Reid thinking about it. I, to be honest, look at Mahomes. He's the motherfucker's dialed in. We we saw it last week when he got hurt. He was in Andy Reid's ear the rest of the game, and Henny was putting on the fucking Henny show. And Henny, Henny Chad Henny really played um, very satisfactory. That was the best drive of his career. I hundred percent Henny. Henny played like he deserved a Hennessy sponsorship the most. Yeah. Um, Bo, let's talk about the other game here. Uh, the uh, the 49ers and the Eagles. Let's start out. I want to say one last thing. Go I ahead, think that Tom's on to something there. Because... 30 seconds. Oh, no, 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 you're fine. So, uh, I was going to say that I think that's one thing that hasn't been talked about. Look, the Bengals are getting all the love right now. And I think there's a part of the Chiefs that don't like that. Yeah, especially since that game's at Arrowhead. That's their house, and they put two tutties in a row. Put two tutties on Travis Kelsey. Yeah, they're used to being the media darlings too. Uh Bengals kind of stealing their thunder a bit. You guys might be onto something. Yeah, you might be. I think there's something to that. I do. I think it's gonna be awesome. All right, let's talk about the other game now: the Eagles and the 49ers, starting with Philadelphia. Philadelphia was the best team in the NFL this season. Got off to a harsh ending to the regular season. Then they deliver a statement win against the New York Giants, came out of the gates, looked great on both sides of the football. We know they have a historically good pass rush here. Um, When you look at that team, 
And then you see this Niners team who looks like a complete football team in every way. Even their young quarterback and Brock Purdy is playing fantastic right now too. But something has got to give. Both these teams, I hate to say it, but they almost look flawless. Who is going it, to – it's almost like who's going to give in first? Who's going to make the first mistake here? And I don't know who. I I tend to think that there's like some good and bad to the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers are obviously the hottest team in the entire playoffs coming in. What's it, yeah. nine in a row, ten in a row, something like that? It's a ridiculous number. Yeah, Purdy hasn't lost uh, a game yet. Yeah, and, and, and Purdy has not lost yet. Um, I think a lot of last week, they kind of got handed some opportunities a couple times by the Cowboys. Cowboys really got out coached in that game. Now, I think Shanahan's done a great job coaching this 49ers team. They got a really strong defense. They got a great offensive line, maybe the best offensive line in football. I think these two lines were one and two. They have the best line men, the one single guy maybe I've ever seen. And, um, I mean, they, they play so solid on offense, that run game, that you can have a quarterback and tell him, just don't make mistakes. Yeah. Just make smart plays. Are the you, hardest are part you, for the 49ers is, this is whether the longest shot of the what was that? Are you are you standing Trent Williams? Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, Trent, Trent Williams is the best lineman I've ever seen. Best. The best. Yes, the Trent best. Better than Orlando Pace. Yes. We'll get, I'll get to that in a second. Let me finish where I'm at on this Brock Purdy. Thing. Yeah, let me, let me finish this thought here. I'll, I'll get to you on Trent Williams. I think he's fantastic. Um. The Purdy thing, where it's going to come down to, whether it's this week or next, this week or the Super Bowl, you're going to eventually need the quarterback to make a play. 49ers haven't had to do that because of the nature of how they play. It's the genius of what Shanahan's done there. Is that they've, they're so good that pretty much any smart young quarterback can play it. It's like driving a really nice car. Just keep it between the lines. And that's what Brock Purdy's done. But if there comes a time where they got to get into a two-minute situation, he's got to make quick decisions. I don't know how that's going to go. That's why I give a little bit to the Eagles. The Eagles, I still think the best team of these four teams playing this weekend, and I know I just loved on the Bengals, and I just loved on the Chiefs. I still think the Eagles are the most complete team in this whole thing. I do too. We got four great teams, and none of these four teams are bad. The one wart on any of these four teams is the quarterback for the 49ers, and that's simply because he's unproven. The Eagles had that rough two, three, two, three game stretch at the end of the season. No Jalen Hurts during those. If Jalen doesn't get hurt, he wins the MVP. Right. And I think deservingly so. And they have been incredible all season long. Right. Both. I, yeah. I'm interested. 49ers have kind of shown us that, which works, which has worked obviously great for them there in the NFC Championship. Um, you have Jimmy G to start the season. Well, I guess even more fair, Trey Lance versus Jimmy G, and now you have Brock Purdy. In that system, are they all the same? 
Yes. Yes. And so now as a 40, if you were a 49er fan or really from what we've known from this show, if you were an Iowa State fan, what direction do they go? If it, 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 This is the most interesting thing to me besides the 49ers winning the Super Bowl is you have this player in Brock Purdy who I know Jones like secretly like goes to his bed and like kind of at night too. Jones loves Brock Purdy. I do. Uh, has for a long time. Um, wh- how, and, 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 and even let's say if Eagles beat that fucking ass this weekend, let's say Jalen hurts, hurts Brock Purdy. Let's say, I mean, let's, let's, let's be real and say like, Hey, well, the Eagles are going to beat him. you know, uh, let's say 38 to 20 and just dad dicks the 49ers. Um, I'm, I'm, and you're older, and this is not ageist. It could be. Actually, it's ageist. Fuck it. I don't give a fuck. You've been around longer than me and Jones, but ageist opinion. Get to the point. Just get it out. Ageist opinion. Who do you go with next year if you're the 49ers, even win or lose this game? Who do you go with? Okay. It's going to be really complicated. I think it's going to be a great question. But here's what I have to do. If the 49ers win the Super Bowl, it's going to be really hard to not play Brock Purdy next year. Now, there's two things you got to consider. You got to consider how does Purdy play? Is Trey Lance healthy? Well, three things. Is, is Trey Lance healthy? And then they've put the 49ers put a lot into getting Trey Lance. So they have to decide oh. do they want the, the better athlete in Trey Lance who could give them even more to the offense? Or do you want to go with what's just solid? I don't think that we're going to see this high upside on Brock Purdy. I think instead you have to look at the comparisons of the two, and you have to factor in a number of things. Again, Purdy's not necessarily playing to be the 49ers starting quarterback next year. You win the Super Bowl, it's hard to take him out. But it's also hard to turn your back on the guy that you traded three first round picks for. Is Brock Hart, and who would have been Brock out there had he not gotten her out than Trey Lance? Say that again. I'm sorry. Is Brock Purdy harder to figure out than Trey Lance? I think you know more about what you have with, with Brock Purdy. I think the if, Trey Lance's athleticism is. If he wins the Super Bowl, you got to go there. See, not necess- not necessarily, because if you look, I mean, there's been, you know, tr- um, Brock Purdy could be Trent Dilfer. Is it is? Oh, that's fair. So you're saying Christian McCaffrey is Jamal Lewis? I mean, it could be. It could be that 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 Brock Purdy's just steering the ship and just keeping the car between the lines. But with Trey Lance. You know you've got this dynamic athlete. I'll tell you what I mean, it is. It's a younger way, version win, of Alex Smith versus Patrick Mahomes. Win or lose is that not the biggest story in the offseason? What happens in San Fran? Actually, I it don't think it's there. I don't think it's that big of a story to be honest. I think that I'm interested. Brady and Aaron Rodgers are both going to be a bigger deal. I think that 
San Francisco, we know whoever's going to play quarterback for San Francisco, they're going to be fine. I don't think it's that yeah. big of a deal. Well, the, the thing is, though, is that this is where I kind of lean toward what Tom says on this and where I agree with you, but I kind of disagree, is that I think it is a big deal because if you commit to one, you're either have one quarterback or no quarterbacks. There's, if you have two, you have zero. If you commit to Brock Purdy, you have to move Trey Lance. Sure. If you're going to play Trey Lance, you've got to make Purdy understand he's the backup. Now, it works out great in that case because you got two quarterbacks on rookie contracts. So, to me, it's easier to go back to Lance knowing he can put more into your offense. But, I mean, it's hard to bet. There's more... My opinion on, on Brock Purdy is he's more likely to be Trent Dilfer than Peyton Man. Yeah, and I think it's a fair assessment, but this is where I am uninterested in this story is that we've seen that you can plug and play a quarterback in that offense. To me, it doesn't matter almost who the Niners quarterback is going forward because they're going to – Kyle Shanahan's going to figure it out and they're going to be fine either way, personally. That's why I'm just not like, okay, I'd like to see Brock Purdy get to hold on to that job, but – at the end of the day, Niners are going to figure it out. They're going to be fine. So if yeah. he wins the Super Bowl, it's got to be Brock Purdy's job to lose. I don't Brock. necessarily think so. I mean, it's going to be hard to take it away from him, but I'm not necessarily sure. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that the quarterback issue there, they, they have proven that it 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 is a system that's in place and everything else that's around the quarterback – Whoever is the quarterback is not what's important there. But we'll see. A uh, long ways to go to get to that point. When it comes to Philadelphia, that historically good pass rush, I don't know how many people know this. And I have tried to preach this uh, the last few weeks and remind people. Philadelphia had 16 more sacks this year than any other team in the NFL. That pass rush is insane. And add the Robert Quinns, the Nadabakan Sues of the world to make that even better. Oh my gosh. I mean, not only is their offense explosive, but that that defense, um, they're gonna give Brock Purdy hell to pay. And if they face Burrow or Mahomes, they're gonna give them hell to pay too. I mean, that pass rush is a problem. Whopper, yeah. whopper, triple whopper. <laughs> I, I I look at that pass rush thing, and I think you're good. You're right, and it's a really good pass rush. It's it's for like I said, this year it's been the best one in the league. A lot of that has to also do with how many times have the Eagles been so far ahead of somebody, and you're having to throw to catch up, and so they can kind of pin their ears back and go get the quarterback. Yeah. So the to me, what neutralizes that? is exactly what the 49ers do. That's run the football. Yeah. This is going to be a completely different game than the Chiefs-Bengals game. This is going to be first one to 24 points wins the game. Yeah. And it's going to be a slugfest. These are the two best running teams in the NFL. They, they might be the two best offensive lines in the NFL as well. And – Jalen Hurts has played like an MVP this season. Part of that has to do with the offense and what they expect of him. But 
I mean, it's the difference, I think, in the end between the Eagles and the 49ers. And the reason I like the Eagles in this game is that the Eagles can kill you with a thousand cuts in that run game. But what you can't do is load the box because of the two weapons. Those two receivers are so good. And their offenses, they can get that big play on you. The 49ers have big play capabilities with um, with Kittle and with Debo, but they had to scheme more of that. Right. With the Eagles, it can just be on any given play. So that's where I like the Eagles in this game. Um, but I think this is super close, too. I mean, I, I don't think either of these games is a blowout unless it's just an aberration from the other team. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we have the four best teams in the NFL this season. So, so who's your Super Bowl pick? Are we having a Kelsey Super Bowl or no? Well, no, we're, I, we got to pick this game first. Uh, okay. We have the Eagles as two and a half point favorites. I know you said you like the Eagles to win. Do you like them to cover that margin, Bo? I think it's going to be within three. I do. I think it's a two and a half. I wouldn't. If it goes up to three, I wouldn't play it. Um, I can see it being a field goal game. I can see it being a two-point game. The hook always scares me at two and a half. If you're going to bet it, bet it down somehow. <laughs> bet that hook out of there. That's always going to get you. Um, I do like the Eagles. If I had to pick it, if I had to pick one side or the other, I would take the Eagles and lay two and a half. How I'm betting it, I'm taking the Eagles in the money line. Okay. I like the Eagles here as well. Uh, cover that two-and-a-half-point margin. Going to be a hell of a game, but I think the Eagles are just a slightly better team, and they're at home too. Tom, uh, you going with uh, the Eagles as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, or are you going with San Francisco here? Give me a Kelsey Super Bowl. I like the Eagles by five-and-a-half. Okay. Okay, so you, you got to win by basically a touchdown here. Give me a Kelsey Super Bowl, baby. Okay. So there you have it. Uh, we're uh, So our Super Bowl picks officially, Bo is going with Eagles-Bangles, and then Tom and I each have Eagles-Chiefs. I got the, the Eagles-Chiefs were my pre-pick before the playoffs, and I had the Eagles winning it all. I'll stick with that. Bo – what do you think in a hypothetical Bengals-Eagles matchup? Hypothetically, just because we don't know also how injuries are going to go this week or what right. might happen in the next few weeks, I, the, the Eagles will be the favorite in that game. They'll yeah. probably be a couple-point favorite if I had to guess. I think they'll win the game, too. I, it's hard for me to pick against Burrow, but I think in the end, the Eagles are really tough. I Hypothetically, I like the Eagles over the Bengals, but if the 49ers were to win, I like either the Bengals or the Chiefs to beat the 49ers. Okay. There you have it uh, from Bo there. Bo, uh, let's go over a couple of headlines uh, before we uh, wrap up with you here. Uh, looking at uh, Tom Brady, uh, he said this past week that he is not ready to announce any decision yet uh, that as far as his future goes. Here's what I'm wondering, though. This is my, this is my question for you as far as this goes. Um, 
I think we're all on the same page. He's not coming back to Tampa Bay. When do you think a decision needs to be made? That's what I wonder with Tom. Obviously, he's, you know, he, he can do whatever he wants, uh, of course. But when does something you think, what is our timetable we're looking at of, okay, he either is playing for this team or he is retiring and that's it. That's how it's going to be. When realistically does this all have to be sorted out? Sooner than later. Um, you've got to have it in February. You got to know because the whoever team would take him if he was going to go somewhere else has got to make plans for the draft, make plans for free agency, that sort of stuff. So um, I don't think he comes back to the Bucks. I honestly think he's going to retire. I think even he knows he's washed up at this point. And I, I know I've joked that, that Tom Brady's been washed all season. And he, he has, has not played he has not played well this season. Yeah. Dog shit. I think even he knows that he's 46 and it's done. He has played bad. He played really bad in season five. And I he think he knows he can't just put the home on. When I went to this final game before he retired, and he fucked me. He fucked he fucked me out of a great something that I could tell my kids, even though I don't plan to have kids. He fucked me out of that situation. So for that, yeah, he's dog shit. He's and, and you know he, he did it just stupid. He'd be stupid to go to the Raiders. To you too, Tom. It was for no other reason. It was just a fuck with you. It, it, it probably was. Honestly, over the last couple of years, or even since fucking 01, it seems like Tom Brady's just had a middle finger to me for 20 years. <laughs> I, I should bring his ex-wife for, for reconciliation. Oh, I don't even know what to say to that. But... Here's what I wonder. Okay, Bo, in Brady's case of, uh, you know, we, we mentioned this timeline situation here. If he's going to move teams, which we all assume he's not coming back to Tampa Bay, is it, okay, I'm Tom Brady, I'm not retiring, and I'm now a free agent, I'm open for business, and then I'm signing? Or is it, like, if he is going to play, does not say a debt – a, a single word free agency begins guys i'm a raider like what what how, how does that all come together you think yeah i think that you know free agency and the start time of free agency is fluid in yeah. reality um if tom brady's going to the raiders or to the 49ers or whatever the rumors are it's he's gonna have that decision made if he's moving somewhere else sooner than later, because again, the whole organization is then going to have to rebuild through free agency. And so Brady has to have that info. Think about what happened when Brady went to the Bucks. Everybody wanted to go with him. So right. he goes to Las Vegas, to the Raiders, and everyone wants to go with him. They got to know. So, so Brady, he's pretty. If if he announces he's coming out, he's not going to retire. He's going to know the team he's already going to at that point. I would think so. I would. I, I don't think he's going to come out and say, "I'm not retiring." And who wants? Who wants me? <laughs> I think he's going to know if he's worth. If he's not retiring, 
he's going to know what uniform he's wearing when he gets there. Okay. That uh, that makes sense. Uh, Mel Kuyper Jr., his uh, first mock draft is out. I know that you don't aren't ready for mock draft season quite yet, Bo, but I got to say, um, it feels like to me there's five players this draft begins with. Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Miles Murphy. Now, some people will say Will Levis. I'm not high on Will Levis. But I think those five, if you hold one of the first five picks, you'd love to have any of those five players. And then after that, that's that's when I start to see a drop-off. Yeah. Um, I look at it, and, and like the Levis thing, he's going higher in all these mocks now. Um, Kuyper's got him as his number one quarterback. What the hell? Well, and again, we talked about this before we came on. It's you got to take everything with a grain of salt on a mock draft right now. Like, yeah. I think what Kuiper does for this first mock is he's saying, here's who I think are the best players or have the best future in the right situations. Right. Now, what you can argue on Will Levis, you can argue that Will Levis in the right situation has more upside than than uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. He's a bigger guy than both of them. He's not as athletic as either of them. Stroud, to me, is the guy who has both the athleticism and the, the ability. I like yeah. Young. I think he has more ability than both of them, but he's small. And that's a really hard thing. He's, he's only right at six foot, he's under 200 pounds. Yeah. So it, it comes down to, well, what do you like? But what but what Bryce Young does have is he's been with an NFL offensive coordinator for the last two years. Right. You've been with Bill O'Brien for the last two years, and they put a lot in, right. in him. He can play the position. I think that also helps him. CJ Stroud, I think, is the if I was to say on a blanket space who I like best, it might be Stroud, just because I like the size thing. Yeah. Levis in the right situation could be great. And I think that's what Kuiper's trying to say. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to say, here's who I think the Bears are going to pick at one. Right. Because if he thinks the Bears are going to pick Will Levis at one, that's just stupid. They're not. Right. The Bears are going to trade out a one. Really? You don't think they're going to take Jalen Carter or Will Anderson? Unless they take Will Anderson. I think if they stay at one, they take Will Anderson. Okay. That makes sense to me. But if you can trade down to even two or three and pick up another draft pick, pick up a one from somebody who wants one of those quarterbacks, and you can still get that defensive end, I think you take it. Yeah. Especially if they like Justin Fields. And I haven't seen any reason not to like Justin Fields. Yeah. Um, one more note. We'll, uh, we'll end on this. There's no. there's nobody in this draft that I would 100% take ahead of Justin Fields. Yeah. Okay. One more note, and then we'll uh, end on this. Another college-slash-NFL crossover. Bill O'Brien leaves Alabama to go to the New England Patriots. Um, we always knew Bill was a you know an NFL guy. He goes back to New England where he's familiar with. He worked with Mac Jones previously. Huge win for Mac Jones that he has a competent OC. I think that's the biggest thing there is Mac Jones gets an OC. And then also Josh Heupel getting an extension at Tennessee, $9 million a year. Um, Tennessee had a historically good year this year. 
We know they got a great NIL collective there at Tennessee. Watch out. I know the SEC stacked, but uh, Tennessee could could be on the up and up. They could continue to build upon that big progress they made this past year. Tell me about both those situations, both those coaches. Let's do the Tennessee thing first. I'm going to go with the O'Brien after that. Okay. Um, one, I like Heifel. I think he's a really good coach. I it, it shocked my kid when we were watching the game earlier this year, and I said, can you believe that guy was a college football quarterback? Because if you look at Josh Heifel, he looks like he was a defensive tackle, not a, not a quarterback. He um, looks like – uh, He knows the game. He looks like Bobby Hill from King of the Hill. Does. It's really well put. <laughs> um, yeah. That reminds me to tell you about something later. So okay. uh, just remind me. Um, so anyway, the um, the thing with Heifel is Tennessee wants to win. They've got some of the richest alumni in the country. They've got, you know, that's the thing that they have that like Alabama doesn't have. It's what LSU doesn't have. It's what Mississippi schools don't have. They have amongst them the richest of the riches as far as football guys who are billionaires and don't mind spending money. And they've got a bunch of money. And they like Josh Hype. They like what's going on there. And Hinton Hooker was a great example of what he is capable of doing as a coach and taking a player who, you know, could have won. What a Heisman Trophy possibly. So I think it's a way to look at it and spin it to say, hey, look how far we've come in two years with Josh Heupel. The sky's the limit. Let's do what we got to do. And they've got a big quarterback coming in now that the NIL has kind of helped them get coming in. It'll be interesting. And I think that it's – I think it's a case study of what the NIL is going to do and what it's going to be like. You know, and there's going to be some – there's going to be some poverty teams in NIL that were previously powers. Yes. That, That's going to be crazy. Yes. Oh, and the Bill O'Brien, on the Bill O'Brien piece, I think that it's a really good fit. Him going back to New England, I think it's threefold. One, they desperately need an OC and a guy who can develop a young quarterback. Look who Bill O'Brien has been developing for the last couple of years. Yep. And before, you know, whether it's at Alabama. And then before that, he was developing Deshaun Watson for the Texans, who we can all say Bill O'Brien was a disaster in the Texans, but I will say as a coach of the team, he was not. He was a disaster as a GM. Correct. Then I look at it and go, okay, he could develop her. He's already been in Belichick's system. And Belichick's not long for this deal. Bill O'Brien's thinking he's going to become the next head coach of the Patriots as well. You know, that's not crazy. Not a crazy thought. No, he's already got head coaching experience in the NFL. He's already been a general manager in the NFL. He was capable as a general manager. He wasn't great, but he was capable. He was good as a head coach. Really good. And And then, you know, he developed young count. Most important thing of all, uh, we know Bob Kraft's a fan of his. Yeah, I think there's – I don't know that it's understood he's the next coach, but who on that staff is the next coach? And he's Matt Patricia. That's not the bringing thing, the like, back. Say what you want about Bill O'Brien. 
I'd take him over Josh McDaniels. I'd take him over Matt Patricia. I would take him over Joe Judge. I think Bill O'Brien's a really good football coach. I think he was a good football coach with the Texans. I think he was a really not-so-good general manager. That's too hard a job to do both now. Right. And I think that he's learned that, and I think he went to Alabama and probably learned some things, and you know Saban and Belichick are close. So a lot of the stuff that you know he previously learned with Belichick before going to work with Saban, you know, I think today he could be the next one in that lineage, to be perfectly frank. Yeah, maybe so. But we're out of time. It's always a pleasure uh, to have you here, my friend. What's uh, what's coming up on the show this week? We've got uh, Uncle Rico and I have already previewed the uh, game this weekend. We got in-depth on all both games this weekend. Um, Ellen and I will be back on. We didn't have a .5 last week because me being sick. But we'll be talking a little bit of Kansas basketball as well as the, the championship games this weekend and just all across sports. There's so much going on. We're going to be hitting a little bit of everything when we do. Um, guys, in case you yeah, didn't know. will be coming out Friday. Yeah, look forward to it. In case oh. you didn't know, Bo really loves Dick, uh, Grady Dick uh, from University of Kansas. You know, that is. <laughs> Actually, my co-host, Ellen, loves Grady Dick. I think she loves him just because of the Dick jokes, but that's neither here nor there. Um, we also are going to have a special preview coming out. I think we're going to have this out Saturday morning. Um, P Money, one of our regular contributors, is going to the WWE Royal Rumble and going to give us a full preview and then a full report on Monday's pod. There we go. Look forward to it. Bo, appreciate the time as always. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Tyler. Take care, Tom. Final segment before we go, it is our Tom Fullery story of the week, and this one is a very fascinating, courtesy of our friends at Outkick.com. This guy did an Uber job. During a Wednesday night college hoops matchup between Loyola Chicago versus Duquesne, one Uber Eats delivery guy forced the game to come to a halt as he looked around UPMC Cooper Fieldhouse to deliver an order of McDonald's to a hungry attendee. Minutes into the second half with Loyola holding a three-point lead, the grub hero appeared on the hand on the hard court. Uh, and was in complete confusion over the location of his drop-off. If not for the animal rights activists that glued themselves onto the court during NBA games last season, this guy's cameo would have taken uh, the cake for the most bizarre stoppage in an NBA in a uh, college basketball game ever. Rarely is someone willing to go to these links to get the job done nowadays. Imagine all the trouble this guy had to go through to find parking on campus, then look for the hungry patron in a 3,500-seat venue. Major props. We're loving it. Let's just say he was tipped 50% or more for his heroic quest and that he remembered to ask for sauce. Um, and uh, just looking at the video of this, uh, the guy, there, there's literally a stoppage in play as he's trying to make this food delivery on the court. He, he, he's standing on the court 
while game action's going on with this Uber Eats delivery in hand. Um, I can't say I've ever seen anything like this. I mean, and the article brings up a good point here. I mean, what did, the, did this guy have to pay to park? I mean, and went into the arena? I mean, the the there's either two ways of looking at this. Either this guy lacks complete self-awareness and, like, is just an idiot to actually, you know, go on to the court during the game and try to make this delivery and all this. Or there's the other part. You could look at it like, wow, respect the hustle. This guy was determined to get that delivery order, to, to get it done. I mean, there, there's a couple ways of looking at that. Like, I, I can't say that uh, I, I've ever even thought about doing a delivery order when, I've at, when I'm at a stadium. Is that a thing? Like, is this what's going to be what defeats, you know, high price concession costs and everything is now just simply uh, doing, uh, you know, these type of things, like Uber Eats. Can I, can I do that instead of paying, like, you know, $12 for a beer or whatever? Can I, like, Uber Eats some food and a drink in? Can I do that instead now? Is, th- is that a thing? Because if so, that is a game changer. I mean, if if we have people that are willing to interrupt a game on the court to make that Uber Eats delivery happen, um, I might have to start doing that now. I mean, I respect the hustle. And then you think about it. The scene this guy created for just wanting to get his Uber Eats delivery in and did, did he think that he was going to have the game stopped by getting this delivery? I mean, I, I have so many questions here. To me, this is a wild story to see it play out the way it did. This guy gets his Uber Eats delivery, and the game stops because the guy literally walks onto the court to make this delivery happen? Just absolutely the same absolutely insane that uh, this type of deal happened. I mean, what if, here's another, you want to go down the road of conspiracy theory here. Was this a setup uh, by uh, Uber Eats, potentially, to uh, do, you know, get some free pubs, some free advertising, you know, like, is this something by Uber Eats that said, you know, hey, we will go to great lengths to get you your delivery. We will we will stop a game. We'll go through snow, you know, whatever it takes to get you this delivery. Is that what this is? I mean, there, there's I have a lot of questions here. This is a fascinating thing to me. This went down the way it did. Um. Now I want to see what happens if I, if I'm at a sporting venue or something like that. Like, I might have to try to get some Uber Eats in me. You know, the other night I was at the uh, Baylor Kansas game, and we ate before the game and everything. Um, but you know, maybe I should try getting some Uber Eats in there. I mean, I mean, hell, th- th- think about this. Okay, so. This delivery guy 
walk goes all walks onto the court to make this delivery happen. The other day, I ordered Jimmy John's at my own home, my own apartment, and you know they're supposed to bring it up to my door. Not a big deal, whatever. The delivery person. She wouldn't even come up to my apartment. She asked me to meet her outside. I had to go all the way outside in the rain to go get my my delivery. I mean, like, we need more people like this Uber Eats guy. I can't even get Jimmy John's to come up to my apartment door. And, you know, this guy is willing to go into the arena on the floor to make this delivery happen? I mean, just, just incredible. I mean... Some people are going to be frustrated that he interrupted the game and all that. I'm more so impressed. I'm I'm impressed by this guy. I mean, this guy deserves a raise. Um, you know, something to go to this length to get this delivery done. I mean, he, we, we need people at Jimmy John's like this guy. You know, I mean, this is this is just something else uh, that it went to this extent, this length. And then think about the Here's another factor. One more factor. Of all the questions I have and all this here, okay, did he have to buy a ticket to go deliver the food? What what was the uh, when he delivered the food? You know, because he got onto the court. How did he get back past security and everything? Did they just say? Did he say, "Hey, I got a food delivery order," and they just let him through and walk right on to the floor? Or did he have to purchase a ticket or something? What 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 about that? That's another factor in. How did he get past security? Did he did the Uber delivery guy end up having to pay a ticket just to complete this order? Was he a student? Did he have like a student ID and he was able to just swipe through and get in just fine? I mean, there is a lot of things, a lot of questions. I, I want to do an interview with this guy. I would love to sit down and talk with him and want to know what the hell he was thinking and how he pulled off this Uber Eats delivery order. Man, this is uh, this is wild. Uh, I can't say I've seen anything like it. I respect the hustle. A little bit bizarre, sure. But, uh, I mean, game recognizes game. I mean, I'll, I'll say that right now. That was, uh, that was unique. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. Well, I say, no, well, this is 2023. Anything's bound to happen as far as I'm concerned. But... Nonetheless, that does it for the uh, Jones Report this week. Big thanks to Zach Fisher, Thomas Bridges, Brian O'Connor, our entire crew for joining us. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out, and uh, you'll be glad you did. Also, uh, give us a follow on social media. Facebook.com uh, slash Tyler Jones Live, Facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Studio Soapbox, uh, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live, um, and uh, Instant Thomas. You can find us all there. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. Uh, we got a, a great show coming up next week. Uh, Jonathan Hutton from Outkick.com is going to be here. And uh, check out the other Studio Soapbox Network shows. Uh, you know, we got some great stuff lined up. Uh, Let's Go Racing with David Starr. We're counting down the days in Daytona. Kenny Wallace is going to be on that show next week. Um, of course, Raw Tools with Luke Slaybaugh, Coach Bo's show. 
Um, check all those out. Studio Soapbox Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. We are done uh, this week on the Jones Report, but we'll see you next time here on the program. I'm Tyler Jones for our entire crew saying so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.